Welcome to the News Boxing Podcast with a slightly drunk Andy White and with me today, Mr. Martin Theobald. Alright, are you recording the bit where we were talking about coming on his face a minute ago? Uh, no, but no? you can fill us no. in. On cool, that no, that's fine. that's fine, that's <laughs> fine, I think we'll live without. Uh, we're all getting drunk. That What's Terry cracking into? Of Mr. Terry Chavadam who's yeah. come... What is with, this shit? You've got gin. Gin rhubarb. Uh, yeah, gin I didn't realise we are having a party tonight. Uh, well, apparently we You're are. You're driving, right? but you want one. I got straight on the coffee. No, I'm good, thank you. Finally. Right. Nah, I didn't, you know. My invite got lost in the post. Right. Like, it's, it's good. Honestly, this, this Sainsbury's is all right. Please forgive my forgetfulness here. We're on, I think we're on something like podcast 125, something 126, something like that. No Have idea. we ever done a drunken podcast? No. I've been drunk on podcasts before. Yeah, I no. think we all have not been able to drive legally on the podcast before. No, I've of... not, because I always drive every week. I still, wouldn't, I still wouldn't believe that you weren't. Because like, you've turned up hungover before. No, but we did That's the one. True. Remember, we did the one after the night. <laughs> we did the one after the nights out, and no one was right after that one for a few days. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, do we have? No, a... We do need to organise one. Yeah, a drunken podcast. Get a taxi over. We sound. Do you know what we do? We need, we need to do it like on a on a Saturday. When there's nothing really, you know, there's no real boxing. Yeah, but we need to do it like drunk. So you wake up the next day and you don't really remember. Like there's a recording mixer out and we don't know why. I'm talking <laughs> that, that level of fucked. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And then release oh, 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 it without. Oh, or preferably all passed out in the room. Imagine how bad. <laughs> Only half, half a podcast recorded. Then like two hours of sleep. If you want us to record a, a podcast that's so bad that we're so, like the, we're. So inebriated that we can't remember what we said. Let us know on t- let us know on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, or see us live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Less said about that, the better. <laughs> Terry's on a booze ban for any live shows that we have going forward. <laughs> any live was, boxing as well, to be honest. Yeah, how was that IFL interview, Terry? <laughs> Those interviews are harder than they look. Finally, yeah. we got to see it. It'd been spoken about, but look, uh, look, we all, we all, we all think we could stand in front of Coogan's camera and just be all right. Nah, I, I wasn't all right. I'm there was a lot of support from the people in the comments, and comments on YouTube were dark, shitty place for most things anyway. But a lot of the comments were like, "That's Terry from the New Age Podcast. That's like the Mate. best boxing analyst in the UK and shit like that." It was don't lie. You, that's a trap for you to go and read it, and it's just all those Twitter trolls just going, "We got you now, fucker." No, <laughs> no, not at all. Fuck me. That was really. There a were point. a few dick comments on there who's as, that guy as you get in nearly every yeah. YouTube video but there was an awful lot I don't know who it was so if you're listening brilliant thank you but there's an awful lot of yeah, like no, honestly thank you but just, just to give you the story behind that interview like the real story we if got, you remember no no well, well you were walloped I, I think <laughs> you're the no, worst no, person to no, be able to fill us in on this no, so, so it's, been, it's been pieced together <laughs> I need to ask Rob Martin yeah. no so this is what happened when right? did the methylated spirits come into play okay no. so, so simple terms we didn't think Denzel was going to box because if Denzel was going to box it would have been earlier in the night so we're like they're going to stop on the main event we'll all go home so we just all get pissed 
Right? So, fuck it. We, we, we haven't seen Denzel. And just as we're leaving, someone goes, no, no, Denzel's just down there. He's ready to box. And at this point, we've done, I don't know how many pints, I don't know how many doubles we've done. Where Everyone's in a bad way in the Albert Hall. Like, no one, no one left their normal. So then, going with Ben's like... You said about this the other week. I'm just conscious of... Yeah, uh, okay, no, no. So, so in, in simple terms... <laughs> Coogan gets up there. Obviously, we talked about you, his favourite person. Yeah, I heard, I've heard and listened to it the other week. Was there a lot of swear words and cursing? No, no, and... no. He, he's all right, man. Every, everything. Coogan loves Yo, me. You know he's I'm a like? forgiving guy. Do you know what? Yo, I'm like Dillian's brother, right? I just said to Coogan, listen. <laughs> Dillian's a brother. <laughs> You're about the visual media. He's about the spoken media. You guys are both men. I understand you want to be the best. He wants to be the best. But we don't need it to go to the streets. We don't need it to go to the streets. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I know Martin. He's a dangerous guy. Drives a Prius. He's really got. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And then I said to <laughs> real Kugan, wild character. No, and I said, I said to Kugan, I know you pay school fees and whatnot and all that good stuff. There, we understand where you're both coming from, but it doesn't need to. We, we, guns don't need to be drawn. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but, but so, so, so Kugan goes to interview Denzel, right? So I'm like, let me step back from this because it's a serious interview. And then Isaac's like. Nah, and I could do this. And Coogan goes, go ahead, do it. So I see Isaac with the camera. In my head, I'm like, they're never going to let this out. So I'm going to jump in and just talk shit. You did a very good job of that. Oh, at Oscar winning performance. <laughs> and then he's filming it. We're just having a laugh. I'm thinking Coogan's going to take the camera back and they're going to have this serious interview afterwards. Doesn't happen. Yeah, they even got your uh, black Golovkin remark in, didn't they? It's all about the black... <laughs> I hope that sticks for a bit until until he gets like a. Like his, I know it's too sharp, but too sharp doesn't really do him justice for where he's at at the moment. You know, the Ice Man. But no, honestly, here's the thing. I think I said it to you guys. We're all hopefully in the sport for memories, right? I'll take memories over regrets. So if I'm going to go on IFL and 3,000 people are going to see me, and I make a dick of myself. That's okay. I know I'm going to see guys at the show, they'll be like, you're the guy from the IFL interview, and they'll just have a laugh with it. And it's those sorts of things. And this is, it's a sport we all enjoy. Get involved in it any you way know, you can. The, I agree. Uh, the question was asked, how drunk was Terry on that video? Martin answered, very, No, very. so, so no, And I me... said, live show, bear with me a sec. Okay. Dave McGinley then comes in, Terry hitting God level status today with that video. Finally, someone in boxing who has some fun in front of a camera instead of reciting the same <laughs> cliches behind a cold, hard man exterior. Terry, champ and Dharma. So, so I, I tell you what, so what is, this is how you knew it was bad. James Branch fought relatively early, right? And I was having a chat with his nan. His nan gets really emotional when he boxes. And I was, I was trying to say to his nan, listen, James will win far more fights than he loses. You're okay to go to the fights he's unlikely to lose many in his career. And if he does, he'll be okay because he can really box. She looks over and goes, that's a lot of alcohol you've got over there. <laughs> and I was like, I know. Your view is less valid now, sir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think, I think I've got three pints of cider. Ross has got three. Ben's got three. We do those before we go back into the boxing. Come back out briefly. And we go, yeah, let's take more drinks back into the box. So we've done six pints before... Dubois fought, I think. Before Dubois fought, we've done that. And then we're on to the spirits for the rest of the card. Listen, like I said to you, Martin, right? It was such a strange experience going to the Albert Hall and being able to get pissed while sitting down and watching boxing that I think we just all went a bit crazy with it. Good, as you should. Anything interesting happened to each other on the weekend? Where have I been? I was at Nebworth House today. 
place where Oasis and Robbie Williams played like oh, years right. back. Yeah, 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 I had a little concert I was doing. Um, yeah, yeah putting on a show for the people. Hundred thousand turned up. That is good of you, if I'm honest. Yeah. Did you play the triangle or? Uh, no, just found oh, the day out. It was where lovely. Where the fuck's that tambourine? I hid it from you. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> nah. So now I'm knackered today. Like I've been out there all day with four kids and the wife and I'm just shattered. Man. And a knee and an ankle that are, you're the million dollar man at this point. How are they both doing? Uh, all right. More <laughs> specialist stuff to go and see with my ankle. and oh, Excellent. Knees in one piece, but it's all right. I can't complain. Mark Martin's just down to just literally just training all week in the swimming pool. Then he's out ready for a Saturday. I was debating. I was debating going and joining the Sunday league football team in my uh, area. And I thought, then I said to my wife, like, you already sound like a rusty gate when you walk. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you want swinging in the wind? Why do you want to I thought they were recruiting for players. I'm like, I haven't played in four or five years or whatever. Don't do it. No. Then I realised. Yeah, don't do it. And then I read the fucking it's the full description of it, and it was like anyone who's played to a you know an okay level in the time is aged like eighteen to thirty five. I'm like, I'm thirty six year old. You are too. You need to join a veterans league, mate. There, there is not an upper limit. There is not like I was going to turn up going, oh Man City have just released me because I hit thirty six. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Can't play, can I? <coughs> but anyway, um, yeah. Terry, anything exciting? Nah, mate. Beds, mattresses, sofas. That's my life at the moment. But I do want to say, I went out Thursday night with Harry and Shane. And Shane good? Harry good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good. They, they, I mean, I'm getting the nudge. Like They're, they're, they're nudging. And when's the live show? When's the live show? Uh, but they're going up, actually. And I think this is more of an, uh, a clarion call for everyone. They're going up for the April 27th show, Wembley. And so anyone that wants to go, Get in touch with Shane, Harry. I think Rico will probably go. And that whole squad via Twitter. Let's try and get a group together if we can. So if you are if you are interested in that, make yourselves known. We'll try and coordinate stuff. I might even have to ask you guys to buy a ticket to Denzel Bentley as a as an apology to him for that interview. <laughs> if um if there comes a f- a fight this year that captures the imagination, we might end up going up to but I mean I can't foresee something happening this year. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, can you? What are we in now, March? We're quarter way through the year. It, 2019 almost feels like a write-off at the yeah. moment of mm. of like spectacular fights, really interesting, big headline fights. Or even fights. fights that you go, mm, yeah, I mean... All right, okay. I mean, didn't, it doesn't have to be spectacular. Yeah, if like you, you had to say... Eubank Groves wasn't mind-blowingly, you know, world-stopping... It was a big fight, don't get me wrong, but it that's wasn't... That's Junior, right? Junior sold that fight on his own. <laughs> it wasn't world... Collision size, but, you know, but if, at the same time, we wanted to go. If we somehow ended up, the all, all the stars aligned, and we ended up with Denzel versus Linus for a British title somewhere, that you know, to me, that's like that's worthy of getting people together and doing something. It doesn't have to be Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder, but there's nothing at the moment that seems to be a line in that says yeah. 2019 oh, is going to be. So if we do, if we do a live show this year, which I uh, you know may happen. It will be one show this year. So you, if you're going to come to it, if you want to come to a live show this year, you need to come to the only one we're, you know, percentage-wise likely to do. Because <laughs> we won't be doing more than one. That's that's, that's for certain. Yeah, but, but, and if we do one, we want to do it bigger than the last one. You're cool. No, <laughs> no maybe cool. the copper box. I fancy the copper box, to be I'm fair. I'm waiting for you to... Like, what, really? <laughs> <laughs> or, or the Royal Albert Hall, because you can take your drinks out with you. Yeah, yeah, winner. Yeah. 
Brilliant. That's, that's exactly what we need. More booze at... Yeah, what? as long as you can't bring your drink yeah, out. Yeah, as long as you can't drink, and yeah, we're fine. Me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll moderate. <laughs> but no, look, it was good to see Harry and Shane. And like I say, look, this is mainly why we do this, man. It's for the it's for the community element. Now, you know, we could sit here and just ring each other and talk shit about boxing. It's more the community if element. If we never started doing this, you wouldn't have been meeting Harry and Shane the other night for a beer. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And I, and I wouldn't have made a dick out of myself on... <laughs> No, you still would have. You'd still be yeah, probably true. Part of the New Age boxing Listen, team. Any, bo- any, any boxers out there, your IFL interviews aren't safe anymore. <laughs> you can start hiring yourself out as an IFL consultant. As like a hype man. You know, if you don't really want to talk to Coogan. <laughs> well, Pacquiao had it, well, didn't he? He had his, like, he had his yeah, bullshit is, man. Well, like like Boo Boy. Was it Boo thing. Boy? I can't remember what his name was, but he was like, oh, I'm very respectful of my opponent. It was a really great fight. And then like the other guy stepped in next to him. He's like, what he means is that motherfucker got smoked. <laughs> like, <I'm- laughs> so good. Someone look it up. Send me a link to it. It's brilliant. That's yeah. what we need. We can have that feature at the live show. <laughs> <laughs> Go through the, the, the Chapman Dharma translator. Yeah, like, well, Terry, how would you have disrupted this interview? So well, what I would have done, <laughs> break it down for me. Okay, so we're happy to move on to the card. <laughs> the real boxing. Yeah, to actually talk about some boxing then. Um, We've put it off long enough. So, fight night from last night. Is this your third attempt at this now? <laughs> Listen, you guys can't see this. Andy's got coffee and two bottles of water. He's in literal survival mode at this point. He's fucking spent three He's attempts at doing fucked. this. I've been in a pub for a majority of the day, so He's just... fucked. Look at uh, right. Disgrace. Ritson versus... What I've got is Ritson versus Embassy Fodder. So, I think maybe the story of this fight might be more interesting to tell me how the guy got from the embassy to the, <laughs> to the ring. Yeah. I think which he embassy to... he came from. He broke out of Julian Assange's uh, bedroom. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Like, that the Argentinian embassy, wasn't he? Ecuadorian. Ecuadorian. I, d- I didn't watch it. I was putting my kids to bed. Or was so. it Venezuelan? Fuck. Because it was meant to be a walkover on paper. It's Lewis Ritson moving up one weight division, his introduction to it. And then I only saw the second half of the fight. And if, like me, you only saw the second half of the fight, you'd think... Fuck, Ritson was in a lot of trouble in that. Like, he was getting pinged all over the ring. And then you see the scorecards at the end. <laughs> it was, was it 99, 91, two of those. Um, yeah. Giving the other bloke one round. Now, I only watched half the fight and I had him, you know, significantly. Granted, I didn't see the first half, so I'm sure Ritson but, was, was better. But yeah, but great cards. Cr- credit to and- Andy Clark for actually being one of the few commentators to go, that the scorecards were garbage. You know, it's, it's rare that you hear that on Sky, where it was, it was... So I watched the whole fight. And in the beginning, you thought, oh, here's a guy who's been set up for Ritson to bomb out. But I remembered the previous, like the Pianessa fight. And I thought... Patera. Patera, sorry. Did I say Pianessa? Sorry. But... The Patera fight where, and and I think this is a problem that afflicts a lot of British boxing. Anyone that can move side to side or anyone that can punch between the gaps gives someone like a Ritz in trouble. We're going to come on to it when we talk about other fighters as well. This lad, all he had was the ability to counter and he had a decent body shot. And he gave Ritz in all kinds of trouble, even though he was clearly giving away a, a shed load of size. So... I think it's worth remembering Lewis Ritson as an amateur was a career welterweight. So he boxed at 67 or 69, depending on where they drew the line for welterweight. So him coming down to 140 pounds 
he's a big guy at that weight because he's naturally always been a bigger man. He should have dealt with this a lot better. And even he admitted he's got to go to the, back to the drawing board. And it was good to hear Johnny Nelson go, there's something not quite right with Ritson because the jab looks good and it's powerful. The right hands look powerful. They're not superhuman power. They're not like Regis Progray power, but it's hard enough. But it's like it's almost like he doesn't know how to set up his best work. He just he just wants to bomb you out of there, and if he can't do that, he becomes despondent. So there wasn't any there weren't any clever feints. He wasn't trying to open up or trying to pull the arms down so he could get a clean shot. Ritson, if you go back to last year, and we were talking about Ritson being the lightweight Golovkin, and this year we're now looking <coughs> at Ritson going, this guy might be British level at best. And now, do you change camps? I don't know. But what I do know is what he needs to learn, it doesn't appear that he's learning in his current camp. And I'm slightly worried that he's going to run out of runway in terms of that, you know, being able to ascend to that world title level. Because I'll say this now, would you put him in with Josh Taylor now? No. Hell no. But they're peers in terms of like, you know, approximately, they're roughly peers in terms of age-wise and, you know, how they came up. So that worries you, right? That Josh Taylor would just do a number on him. So now you're like, okay, now we need to find his natural level. You over there, Andy? Oh, man, he, he's... <laughs> <laughs> he really had to compose himself there. I was just looking for the questions. Um, are you happy to move on from Ritson? Do you need a kebab? <laughs> Can we order one for you? Ah, oh, this is brilliant. Right, Courtney. Chili sauce or not? <laughs> Shannon Courtney. Shannon Courtney versus... The Romanian princess like is what I'm going to call it someone now. wished a Polly Pocket figurine to life. What happened was this poor girl turned up for a boxer size class <laughs> and then suddenly wondered why there were two and a half thousand people watching her walk to the ring. This is and weird. She genuinely looked like she got a kit out of lost property and <laughs> she was turning up for a boxer size class. She didn't even have a groin guard. I think... I think she borrowed a Coley's growing guy for the size of it. Did you see yeah. that? It was right up by her armpits. It was... Look, let's not hate on Shannon Courtney for this because it's not Shannon Courtney's fault. What was her opponent's name? I ain't got a clue. Right. Genuinely uh, not her hate. either, to be fair. Like, let's not hate on her. No, let's not hate no. on Shannon. The, the issue is, right, if you want us to take women's boxing seriously, you can't churn that out on a Saturday night live on Sky Sports. As the only feature of female boxing. Yeah, if you're going to do it, do it when the cameras aren't turned on. Do it before anything. Or get a decent opponent in various yeah. senses. Because yeah. as soon as Shannon hit her the first punch, she looked like she was going to cry. Yeah, she um, did, actually. That's exactly what she looked and like. And fair fucks to the girl, because she lasted four rounds, and Terry's going to give a great adage to her later, I think. But... Uh, I just love her. I can't like, say anything else. I just love her. Yeah, but that whole thing looked farcical because yeah. it looked like one had prepared for it and one had been dragged in from their boxercise class because she didn't know what the fuck she was doing either. Yeah. Like, not only did she look, you know, the the kit that was, well, let's not critique her fashion, but um, it just, the whole thing looked terrible. Yeah, the thing is, if somebody comes in ill-dressed and then loses embarrassingly, it kind of exemplifies just how poor it was. Especially, like Charles Martin, when he came in with spray on shorts. But when Shannon comes in and she looks the business, she's got, you know, decent kit on. Yeah. She looks, you know, she's got Adam Booth, not working her corner, but they focus in on him as her trainer. And they make a big deal out of all of that. And then in the other corner, you've got this Romanian. That... No, it was Team Budapesti. 
Team Budapest. Yeah, do you, I, I quite like the t-shirts. I want one. It was like a stag do t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> we are Team Budapest. Um, you know, anyone that's going to Budapest for a stag do or Bucharest maybe because she, she might be Romanian as well. If you see her, make sure you shake her hand because she's put a smile on my face in terms of boxing this year. Because you know why they brought her? They brought her so Shannon could get the stoppage win. They brought her to fall over. Yes. And... <laughs> And like having having spoken to matchmakers and been in, been around them when they have these discussions, that's what you do on your debut. You want someone who's likely to fall over. Now, let me just touch on Shannon for a second because I don't want anyone to think any less of Shannon. Look, here's how I describe Shannon Courtney. She took nothing and made it into something. And she did it without being a fame whore. That's what I really respect about Shannon yeah. Courtney. <clears throat> she's not shameless. She's not someone you see at every show and she's trying to jump in on stuff. She's not like that. She's a chef. So Shannon will get up at stupid o'clock in the morning to go running. She'll do a shift as a chef. She'll do a training. And she'll just keep repeating that cycle over and over again. And anytime that she gets an opportunity to shine, she takes it. And she made her own opportunity with Adam Booth. And I know it wasn't easy to get Adam on side with getting her into the camp. So the fact that she's done that, kudos to Shannon Courtney. I'm, I'm not going to be the guy to knock her. If, you, if someone asks me, how good do I think Shannon Courtney is? <clears throat> when she boxed at 57 or 60 kilos in the amateurs, there were girls that were bigger and stronger than her. And when it got into a, a straight tear up, she was outgunned. Now, at bantamweight, where she boxed, I think she boxed at 120 pounds yesterday. She's a big girl coming down to 120 it gives her more of a chance to be effective. So let's see how that goes. Hopefully she does look good. But let's not take away from Christina Busicic, whatever her name is. Let's not take away from that young lady because she got she took a shellacking early in that fight. And you saw real fighting spirit when she said, I'm seeing this fight through till the end. And I really respect that. I like her. I'd like to see her box again. But I'd like to see her get a trainer who's serious about this because if she gets her she's got real warrior spirit her conditioning was off she wasn't in great condition she didn't really know what to do under pressure it it looked to me like she had taken up boxing as a new year's resolution and she just jumped into a fight quickly but she's got that fighting will that i'd like to see her progress a bit furthermore because just back to benchmarking shannon courtney Two ladies, I think there's one called Fatuma Zakali and Catherine Piri fought each other in Kenya on Friday. Now, they're both about Shannon Courtney's size. And these are women who have boxed, one boxed Delphine Persoon at lightweight. So bear in mind, she's coming back down to 120 pounds as well. And she went the distance with Delphine Persoon. So there are women in there who can give Shannon trouble. Um, I'll be interested to see how soon they match her with that caliber of opponent. I mean, again, look, it's nothing away from Shannon whatsoever. Because I think she was... She did the job that she was in there to do. Um, You'd like to have seen her get the stoppage, but that bird was tough as nails, it turned out. (coughs) But it exemplifies the problem you've got with women's boxing. That there's this small pool of women boxing that we know and that are good. And then there's a pool, and I don't know how big that or how deep that pool is, that are shit. And like that woman that came over, she was shit. Let's be honest. Like she had that warrior spirit, but she was terrible. Um, 
And it's not to say they couldn't become better, but right now they're shit. And so, but but here's the thing, and it, it's our ignorance as British fans. Shannon Courtney could fight every week in Mexico, and there's enough women of that size yeah. and that ex- and and her level of experience to give her work. There are enough women in Africa to give her that work. There are enough women in Asia to give her that work. But because in Britain and Europe, we, we see ourselves as the center of boxing because we view it through that men's boxing lens. But women's boxing has been thriving globally for a long time. There's nothing stopping her from moving to Mexico to get some... Well, there is. The fact that you might get your head taken off. Because remember, man, some of these women, man, their boyfriends are narcos, man. Like, they're not... <laughs> we're all here acting like... I mean, like, one of them could be El Chapo's, like, you know what I mean, baby mother and all that sort of well, stuff. Then, but her I, not going to Mexico in case she gets killed is not... I mean, if this is the only if this is the only arena that she can fight in in order to promote herself... Then bring them. Her, if her puts some money up, bring them. Bring, bring, bring Catherine Piri over. She lost on Friday. Bring her over. And let's benchmark her against a woman who's fought at world level. Let Shannon take these fights. I don't have an issue with Shannon learning professional boxing. No yeah. problem at all. Yeah. But I don't want to see it on Sky if it's against the Romanian cleaner. Because that's not... The problem <laughs> with women's fights is that whilst we've seen plenty of men's fights of the same standard yep. of what we're describing, but unfortunately for any woman that takes the ring now on a Sky Sports show or any, sh- any prime time sort of boxing show is... They're carrying the whole the flag for women's they're boxing. They're carrying the sport on so their they, shoulders. They need to make a, they need to be a good representation of that. But and and walkover fights are not. A you good know what we're saying about we've seen it with men. I don't think we've seen many men as bad as that Romanian was. Like she looked like she was in a white collar fight rather than in a professional boxing yeah, perhaps, fight. Yeah. And, um, and, and remember, and, Jason Quigley didn't get. TV time. No. Because of this. Like ranked number four in the world and looking at Canelo and Golovkin and Jacobs. But again, it sounds like we're being horrible to Shannon. I promise you we're not because nothing but respect for Shannon. I've bumped into her many times at shows. Really nice lady. A lot of time for her. And I hope she goes on to achieve an awful lot. But that did nothing for the sport of women's yeah, boxing other her. than it will turn people off the sport. Yeah. And unless Hearn is serious about it, he should fuck off out of it. But how good was her interview though? Composed, brilliant, absolutely yeah. like brilliant. She, she's someone you look at, right? And if you, if you hadn't seen her boxing the amateurs, if you had no prior knowledge of Shannon Courtney, you're like tick, tick, yeah, tick, 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 tick. Because she's a good-looking be girl. A clock. She's yeah. a, a pretty girl. She can talk well. She's ambitious. She's in a good camp. All these things, and that's what makes it even worse that it wasn't taken seriously by Hearn in the sense of matchmaking it. Now, if you're gonna make that fight. By all means, let Shannon go and take that somewhere else off TV or on the same card, but not on the TV element of it. And because that does nothing for Shannon. As I say, it does nothing for the sport. It does nothing for Shannon, for me. Let's move on to Akoli Camacho. Um, I've got, and I can't actually remember why I've written this here. Which <laughs> Guys, this is the kind of show it's going to be. Given, given that I am in survival mode, it's probably not too surprising. But I've got an annotation... For that one of you wants to talk about Hearn in relation to the... Oh, no, was, actually, I think it was me. You wanted to. <laughs> Fucking hell. When's that kebab getting oh, in? Oh, um, Brilliant. Kamoli versus Camacho. Um, okay, right. So at the end of the fight, albeit, you know, this is premature because we need to talk about the fight first. But anyway, I'm going to do it regardless. At the end of the fight, Akoli says he wants to sort of go on and fight... Lebedev. 
Correct. Yeah, I didn't know. I had to pause it and then Martin saved me. Thank you. Um, oh, Martin, Martin saved. Okay. <laughs> Terry saved me and Martin repeated it. Um, so I'm making a mess of this. I know Fucking I Fucking hell, Pete Docky. Get out of here. Basically, Coley said he wanted to fight Lebedev and Hearn said, it's too soon for Lebedev. I think you'll beat him, but it's too soon. One, what does that mean? And two, will that piss a Coley off? No. What it means is once you fight Lebedev, you can't fight Chamberlain in a rematch. You can't fight Jack Massey. You can't fight Richie Reactor. So it was right? it was more a case, it was a business well, it was message. Like, what he said made perfect sense. In a sense of, he thinks he can beat Lebedev tomorrow. And remember, Usyk's got all those cruiserweight world titles still. But he's going to move up to heavyweight to fight Takam, they've announced. So... Usyk will let all of those belts go. Oh, I could get behind Usyk Takam, actually. Yeah. yeah, it's all right, then. Yeah. It's all right. Um, so Usyk's going to drop all of those titles, and then you're going to have all these promoters scrambling about trying to like make their fights for these titles. You've got the problem with Akoli that he wants Lebedev. Hearn thinks he possibly beats Lebedev, probably beats Lebedev. So what do you do? Do you try and get the WBA world title linked to that fight? Sorry, Andy, am I keeping you up? Um... <laughs> Do you try and... Under a fucking do, microscope. Do, do you know what? Do you know what? The theme of this week's podcast is just going to be Andy's laugh. <laughs> so what do you do with it? Do you... Um, someone check what's in that coffee as well. But, do you know There's going to be that iTunes blurb. And it says that this week, hopefully, it's going to go, Andy was very drunk when he started recording. Seemingly got progressively more drunk through the broadcast. Through drinking coffee. Andy <laughs> also flashed Martin earlier. He did. And, and he was lucky he didn't get Kel Brook. But what I would say is... You walked through the hallway, saw him pulling my trousers down, and you stopped and looked. No, you, you were, ha- no. You attempted. <laughs> Admit it. Admit it. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if he beats Lebedev, he gets a world title and he becomes a target. And he doesn't want that for Akoli yet. Because Akoli's. You know how Joshua won the world title against Charles Martin? Because that was a perfect opportunity. Because you're not going to find a worse world title holder at heavyweight than Charles Martin. <laughs> so, you need to jump at that. Um, and they did, <laughs> and that put a target on Joshua's head. Be careful, mate, because you're. And, and Joshua's the, never recovered from that. You're talking to the president of the Charles Martin <laughs> fan club over there. <laughs> Listen, jo- Joshua's never recovered from that, and I find it interesting that he swerves the Charles Martin rematch. Does, <laughs> does, doesn't even talk about the Charles Martin rematch. Joshua's ducking here, here Martin. <laughs> no, no, look, look, look. Here he is. Here he is talking about hundred million dollars for fighting Wilder and all that. What about Charles Martin, the man who deserves a rematch? Deserves. And you know what his price tag is because you've already paid you know it what, once. You know what? No, no. Here's what's crazy. And if you go back and watch the fight, this- watch. There's a little bit of shine on the ring. That bit where Martin slipped twice in exactly the same place. Yeah. <sighs> go and watch it back. I reckon the Martin in this room would do better. Um, so yeah do you really want Lebedev and you can probably attach a world title to that fight and then leave because Cruiserweight's full of like hard motherfuckers they're all tied up in the um, World Boxing Super Series at the moment for now (laughs) yeah but if and when that eventually gets you know they get released from that come the final or anything else that might be going on with it then they're all going to be on the hunt and do you really want those people hunting a Coley down no no not at all how far can Akoli go in that respect? I mean, I, I assume he's still got learning to do. Here's, yeah. here's what I say about Akoli, right? Akoli could win and unify. He's 
He's a freak at six foot six, wherever it is he is, and as wide as he is at cruiserweight, he's far and beyond bigger than most of the other cruiserweights. So he can make it awkward and ugly, and he could win ugly and unify all the belts. And I've got that bias because, like I've said before, I like Lawrence. Can Lawrence headline a pay per view show? God no, not with that style. Can Lawrence headline again on a British on British shores? No, his style's horrible. He will can headline I- British Sky shows. I'm confident of that. I, I genuinely think people are turned mm. off by no, Cody. No, I, I, I do agree with you. You see the feedback that comes with it, and it's so negative on the yeah. whole. And and, and, um, and it's because we see what Lawrence can do. Now, I've talked to people who know Lawrence well, and I, for me, my view is the Barry Robinson thing was a bad move, and here's why. Uh, explain the Barry Robinson thing. So Barry Robinson is his new trainer, uh, replacing Brian O'Shaughnessy. Barry Robinson was this guy on YouTube, and what he would do was he'd take, like, 10, 15 second clips of fights and then talk for an hour about that and tell you why this is what you should base your boxing style on. And so if you're gullible and you're impressionable, and you're like, you know, like a lot of boxing Twitter is, they like to espouse these guys, him and there's another guy, Lee Wiley, as some sorts of experts. But let's be real, like you're a boxing expert if fighters you train win, right? So I look at Lawrence before Barry Robinson, I look at Lawrence after there's no seismic shift in his performances. I think he could have boxed the same way under Brian O'Shaughnessy. The challenge Lawrence has is, in Brian O'Shaughnessy, he had a guy who hadn't really been deep into the pro game. Like, you know, Brian took on Dan Aziz, Umar Sadiq, Muzzy, and Lawrence. Took them on. But he was also learning as he went along. So there wasn't a tried and tested formula he could rely on. Barry Robinson's the same. We don't know what Barry Robinson can do with a professional fighter. Lawrence's is almost his first case study. And it's not looking good at the moment because he doesn't seem to understand that you can't turn a six foot six gangly guy into the supreme infighter. That's That shouldn't be Lawrence's game. Lawrence's game should just be, I'm hurting you with the one-two and I'm going to keep you at range with my jab because no one should be able to get near. But they don't seem <laughs> to be able to either grasp that or execute that and that's what worries me about so, Lawrence as a 6 foot 6 man at cruiserweight what is he surrendering power he's got power he's got power so what how he's, what he's doing he's fighting far too close to his opponent and he's trying to he's trying to hurt them with hooks uppercuts and stuff and you're thinking no just throw straight punches it's it's the least risky way of getting through a fight it's a, more of a fan-friendly style for you. You're kind of like Thomas Hearns used to box, where if you look at Hearns' knockouts, they look savage because his arms are so long that when he detonates, it looks like you've been shot. And Lawrence Cody has that in him. And that's what they need to bring out. And if Barry Robinson can't bring that out in him, then, you know I mean, he sucks as a trainer. And listen, before anyone starts tweeting stuff, if I saw Barry Robinson, I'd say it to his face. So, largely... For the record, how big is Barry Robinson? Did yeah, you see? he was towering over Lawrence. I know. Was anyone else getting pissed off that you could hear Barry Robinson in the corner going, "He's holding, he's hold, Camacho's holding." The like, irony. It was just the irony. Yeah, there. like fucking help, mate. Like if you're gonna say it, whisper it. Because we don't need to hear. Yeah. It. And of all the people to say, you know what I mean? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But but look, I feel for Waddy in that fight. Yeah, well, hiding, hiding to nothing. Hope you got paid well for it. And do I think he should retire? The the, well, the, the I, human in me says yes, but the, the, the guy that understands boxing says, if Wadi genuinely loves fighting and exists to fight, 
I'm not the guy to tell him to quit. There's can a- I? Can I? Uh, largely my fault. I accept this, but like, I just want to talk about the fight because we haven't actually explored. We talked around it. Um, what actually happened in the fight? Um, Waddy's highlight was a third, second round left, straight left down the straight down the middle. Like a Coley just walked onto it, and at that yeah. point, you kind of thought Waddy's got a chance here. But a Coley took it so well, showed he's got a bit of a chin on yeah. him. Other than that. He wasn't really in the fight. And like, he didn't... I think Waddy's stuck in the, the Darren Huckabee zone of boxing, where, like, Darren Huckabee was never good enough for the Premier League, <laughs> always too good for, you know, the championship. championship. Um, Had some good seasons. But, but Waddy, every time he stepped up to that next level, has come up short, yet dominates at the divisions that he's comfortable in. So, at like, area level, nobody touches Waddy. Really, like Isaac Chamberlain did, but then Isaac Chamberlain's moved on himself and had a career. He's too good for that. He's, you know, he's proven that he hasn't got it at that British level. What do you English? do with him, really? Yeah, English. He fought the English champion Arthur Nick Bowen, beat him and lost to him. Um, do I want to see him retire? <laughs> yeah, that- I probably do want to see him retire. If I'm perfectly honest, like he's got a a young daughter who he adores to bits. A uh, young daughter who. She was over the moon when she went into the the press conference and the weigh-in and saw her daddy up on the big poster and went, Daddy! Like, when you see those human touches, and I know Waddy very well, those things make me think, I know you can still go on and fight. I know you can. And after boxing's going to be hard for you, and I know it will. But I I do want to see him just walk away from the sport, if I'm honest. Um, Okay. Uh, In terms of Akoli, that's... Uh, give some breakdown of the fight of what how come uh, how Akoli won it. I'd be just worried about being a bully. That he he literally he bullied Camacho. Camacho. It looked like they hadn't prepared for Lawrence. It looked like they just showed up to fight and they hadn't actually prepared for Lawrence. Because what Lawrence was able to do was was just bully him about by just using his forearms a lot. And the ref should have policed this a lot more. He was using his forearms. He was shoving, and the ref wasn't policing that. And you could see that Waddy was like, what the hell's going on here? Because he's not used to he taking... He was getting caught on the ropes and yeah. then being moved about. Exactly. And, and, and it, was with the, it was with the blade of the forearm as well. So it's uncomfortable. And this is the sort of nonsense Barry Robinson talks about. Like, oh, you've got to control his head with your forearm. You're like, mate, the ref's supposed to police that. Yeah, but no and, ref's allowed to do anything to Lauren Coley, it seems. Remember well, that Matty Askin fight? You know, how many times was he warned for holding? I tweeted something last night about when the ref gave him a warning. I was like, he's got to be careful now because he's only got nine more of those before a point will yeah. be deducted. So, <laughs> so I think referees and the board need to look at this. They have to look at Coley's style and they have to say, look, what you're creating is, because if I'm training someone to fight Lawrence now, what I'm saying is head, yes. forearm, elbows. Evander Holyfield, this guy. I want to see... I want to see, and it's not just a Lawrence thing. If there's a fighter who likes to be aggressive and bully, I'm like, give him some cuts. Cut his eyebrow, cut his cheekbone. Use your forehead. Rub your hairy head right into those cuts as well. We'll put some deep heat in there if you want. We'll make it really uncomfortable. Why? Because... You're a cheat? No, no, it's not cheating. What is, <laughs> no, what it's saying is, if the ref's not going to police the violence in that ring, we're protecting our own. And that's the mindset. That's the mindset. What he should have had. As soon as it got physical like that, what he should have been straight in with the head. No, I don't mean head butting. No, no, I don't mean head butting. But you can put your head on someone's chest 
and maneuvered such that it's not a headbutt, but it's really uncomfortable to be fair, for the other guy. We've, we have touched on this before, and, what, uh, and I, there's a term for it that I can't remember you speaking about. But basically, the 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 boxers that work well on the side the referee can't see. What you know? You know what I mean? It's like, just being crafty. The dark arts. I know, yeah, yeah. I can't. You, 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 you've termed yeah. it before, but I can't. What it was? We probably haven't. You're just smashed. <laughs> It's the laugh, man. The laugh is a the laugh is a recurring theme of this podcast. Um, yeah, essentially, it starts like, to be like Alex Ferguson now. <laughs> no, but it is constant it, haze. You know, and, and, and this is Red a tip. This is a tip. For, this is a tip for all young guys who box oh, and they drink. listen to this podcast. If the referee's not policing the aggression smashed. according to the rules, then you need to throw your aggression in there. You need to let that guy know we can all be reckless. Agree. That's what you do. And then that's how you regulate. And then everyone calms down and you have a boxing bout. Okay, that's Akoli Camacho. Now, this is a, special, a podcast, a special fight that I'm about to talk about. Why? Because I actually watched it. Wow, frame this. <laughs> Watsi Conroy. You get a boner about the Watsi, didn't you? Yeah, I do actually, yeah. Um, having spoke to you last night and asking you <laughs> who Conroy is, and he told me that he's an unnaturally strong bloke, like he could punch like a mule, basically. So I watched it and I thought, okay. But the first thing that came out to me was, fuck me. I don't want to be anywhere near Batsy when he's throwing those. Because <laughs> if, if Conroy can punch like a mule, Batsy was like 10 mules on steroids. Because that guy, Con- man, I've never no. seen fists throw that I- hard. I'll be honest with you. Conroy looked like the occasion got to him. Yes, agree. He, okay. That wasn't okay. the Liam Conroy you saw against Shinquin. That, that wasn't the Liam the Conroy you saw I've against Joel McIntyre. Yeah, that wasn't obvious. He, he, I don't know if anyone saw this. Right in the beginning, you could see he was trying to move on his feet and he was like Bambi on ice. And I thought, mate, you've been boxing since you were a kid. I also wonder, I might be wrong, but I wonder if Buatzi is a different prospect to Shinquin or McIntyre who he's fought before. Like that jab from Buatzi... <laughs> that just looks horrible to he, be on the end of. And then the right hand that follows up, I just think maybe in the first round, Conroy thought, Jesus just, fucking Christ. I realise it's you know probably what's really one... impressive about when you watch Boatsy? It's the velocity of the punches. He's he's so fast. Yeah. It's yeah. it's like he's got an unnaturally high level of fast twitch fibres because I'm like, that's a light heavyweight and he'll throw a one-two and I'm like, you can't react to both And not punches. only does he throw them quickly, he throws them through the target. Yep. Properly through that. T- he doesn't like tap the target yeah. and then retract. He wallops through the target and then retracts and then throws the next shot straight after. Yeah. I just, gee, like, I'm so impressed with Buatzi. I have such uh, a, an excitement about the lad. Uh, so I was talking to a couple of the guys that were there and we're talking about, you know, what what his level is. And I said, I think he's he's a special talent. I think he's already a guy that's a seven or an eight out of ten across a lot of dimensions. But my question is still, what's the one thing he's ten out of ten in? But I don't I don't think it's not that he hasn't got it. I don't think we've found out yet. So it might turn out that he's got that Holyfield thing of just that ten out of ten toughness that breaks the will of his opponent. But we haven't he hasn't been tested to find that out yet. Because his speed is good, his punch powers. Oh, it's not spectacular. 
it's it, good. It's not, but his timing is so good with the shots that actually it's, his power seems to generate yeah. more. Sometimes it is. Like, like there are a couple of times where even as slow as Conroy was, that he was reading the left hook. So there are things you can work on. But my question was this. What would Joshua Boatsy do against someone who's got a jab as good as his and has got feet like he has? So if you go back to the Olympics, he fought the lad from Kazakhstan. Uh, in the semi-final and this is how he got his bronze and all the lad from Kazakhstan did because he's a southpaw all he did was just time the opening when he could bang that left hand down the pipe and Josh didn't have an answer to that and the guy was just pinging him at will and I mean so I think that's the only that's the last time we saw Joshua Bartzi box against someone with what I call higher order skills so we need to see him box against, and it doesn't have to be a Kovalev or a Baturbiev. It could be one of his peer group who's got a comparable level of skill and who's got a good jab. And I just want to see that fight. I want to see him tested against someone who can also box. Can I just make a note as well on this? Because one thing that annoyed me, and it's purely semantics in the build-up to this, was they were talking about Buatzi stepping up to British class for the first time. And I thought, no, he's not really, is he? Because Conroy's won the English title and Conroy is fighting for the British title. For the first time. For the first time. So you're not fighting an established British level fighter. So no. you're not stepping up to British level. What you're doing is fighting the English champion for the British belt. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. Just, uh, purely semantics, but it annoyed me. Yeah. See this? No, that's, this is, that's see this? enough, mate. I would have kicked off. Did you kick your television? Uh, honestly, I cancelled my Sky. About two years ago. (laughs) (laughs) No, look, for me... In protest. (laughs) I did it back then because I knew this was coming. Saying to Claire, (laughs) you'll know why I'm going to do this. So so I haven't said this for ages, but would like to see him against a Hosea Burton who's had a run of form. Because I think someone like a Hosea Burton will pose a different set of challenges for him. So let's, let's see if that fight gets made. Now, does it happen on June 1st? Probably not. That's a fight that you'd want to have on Sky in the UK. Let Jose Burton have two or three fights in the build-up. Let him fight Boatsy for the British. Yeah, and like the whole... They were talking about Yard and Johnny Nelson even mentioned Yard's name, didn't he? Which was impressive. Yeah. Um, I, look, we're fans and our job is to demand that you see the best fights. But I'm not going to sit here and demand that we see Boatsy Yard next because... A, commercially, it's a silly move. But B, actually let them both go away and improve and take their test before they fight each other. Like, I wouldn't be adverse to seeing them in the same way we saw Groves de Gale. But you want to see a best version of that fight. I want to see the best of Mm, those two. And I don't think they've been tested at all, particularly, to find their own best versions. And so it's not something that I'm screaming from the rooftops for, that I want to see those two fight one another now. Of course, if it happened, brilliant. That's one of those things when we said at the beginning, 2019 isn't throwing anything up. That's one of the fights. If they threw that together by the end of 2019, that would be a massive win. But I'm also not, I'm not bothered if it happens back end of 2020. Like let them go away and do it for something bigger not so everyone makes loads of money, but just so that we see the best of both of them in that fight. But see, the one thing I wanted to say about that fight that made me happy was, well, two things. One, seeing Mark Gillespie in the corner. So and big, Dwayne Sinclair. Big yes, Dwayne. Yes. And, and, but, but so Josh was there for his fight last week. Dwayne yeah. was there for his fight. 
And you know when people talk about stuff like, well, amateur and pro boxing are two completely separate sports. And I'm the guy that goes, are they fuck? If you see them as two different sports, that means you're not very good at understanding boxing, right? Because now you're seeing it, look, you're seeing it with Billy Rumble, Charlie Rumble Sr. Xavier they're, Miller. They're cro- where they're crossing over both sides of the, of the divide in terms of they're killing it in terms of delivering champions in the amateurs. And now you're seeing them bring that to the pro ranks. Um, I think, look, we've seen it with Chris Smedley, right? I'm always going to say Chris Smedley because I got a lot of love for Chris Smedley. I think Chris Smedley's a cult hero among trainers. But you're seeing this now, this, this bridging of the divide. And the reason I bring this up is what I like, well, I don't know what I like, but what I find fascinating is guys like Joshua Boatsy, guys like Lawrence Okoli, uh, Lomachenko's done it, Usyk's done it. They've brought what they did in the amateurs to the pros, so what they've done is they've inverted conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom was in the pros, you slow it all down, you pick your shots, you time it, you do this, you do that, right? They've gone, no, no, no. What we're going to do is we're going to take what we did in the amateurs, stretch it out for 12 rounds. So now we're asking all of these old, kind of older school professionals, can you live with our pace? And that's what Boatsy did to Conroy. Can you live with this pace that we've brought up from the amateurs? No. Lomachenko did it to Rigondeaux. Can you live with this pace I've brought up from the amateurs? No. Usyk did it to Bellew. Can you live with this pace I've brought up from the amateurs? And it's it's a big paradigm shift in boxing now. Katie Taylor is another example of this. It's a massive paradigm shift. And if you're a pro trainer, you now need to go, is my punch output enough? Are my effective moves per round enough to keep up with this new generation? And so it might actually benefit amateur coaches because all you need to do now is figure out how can I extend what we've done for the last God knows how many years over the course of a 12-round fight. It's massive credit to Buatsi. Like, he is such a shining light amongst the British scene. That, yeah, there's no negative at the moment to talk about. And that it. respect he showed to Liam Conroy afterwards. Uh, it's just, I've met Joshua multiple times at shows and I was saying to my wife last night when I was watching it that he is genuinely like a really nice bloke. And I was saying, you know, the amount of times that he's been down at York Hall to go and watch Dwayne. And he doesn't have to go and watch Dwayne, but he chooses to go and watch Dwayne. And, you know, the MC will go, ah, oh, we're lucky enough to have like Olympian Joshua Boatsy. And he kind of looks a bit awkward about that, that like he doesn't really, he doesn't bask in the limelight of yeah. it. But then when people want to come and take photos with him, he will spend as long as people want taking photos, having a chat, having that conversation with him. Um, and then at the end of the fight last night, they showed as he walked out of the ring that people wanted photos with him and security were trying to pull him away. And he was like, I'll oh, just do this one, do this one, do this one. That's cool. But like people that were there in the crowd and he was just stopping to do that. I know he's a very, you know, he's a very religious man. Um nothing like you'd imagine when you see him in the ring him outside of the ring are two completely different personas they did, they did do a little bit of a sky thing on him last night about that didn't they maybe not the quite the descriptive powers that you've just sort of demonstrated there but they sort of they just had the people there going oh he's a he's a gentleman outside the ring but he's an animal inside the ring no no he is genuinely from what I've seen which is only and, very limited of course and, and remember we've talked about him so many times on this podcast where I've said to you he was the real deal from day one. This is a lad who was boxing. I think he's the year after Lerone Riches in terms of the juniors. But he was in the juniors bullying people then. Like he was in the ring and you knew back when, I mean, this is like 2010, 2011. And you're like, 
this kid's got something. So all of these lads you see now, the 81 Kilo lot, the Craig Richards, they, they all know who Josh is, Dan Aziz and that. They all know who Josh is. And they know why he's so respected because he was the real deal then. So he's a genuine talent going forward yes. for British boxing. And he, he ticks all of those boxes. <clears throat> Amateur champion as a kid, tick. Amateur champion, ABA style, tick. Did the Olympics, tick. Now in the pros, tick. He's got Dwayne Sinclair in with him. And Dwayne, forget the fact that he's had less than 10, has he had 10 fights now? About 10. Right? Dwayne Sinclair could fight Liam Conroy and give Liam Conroy all kinds of trouble. Dwayne could fight at that level. I think life just pulled him in a different direction. So you've had Dwayne in your gym while you've been coming up. So you've had someone who's kind of led that way. So you've had a, it's like a short circuit to getting really fucking good. And that's why whenever I see Dwayne in the corner, I'm happy because I go, look, yeah. that's, that's how you build a bond. That's a team. That's a club. That's emotional investment there. That's not just for show. That's real. Dwayne looked as happy as Josh did last night. It's great. He's also... Ah, on the side note, are we ever going to touch on what the hell was on Lewis Ritson's back? You can. Just just anyone out there that wants to answer, what the hell was Lewis Ritson's back all about? Just asking for a friend. Watch, <laughs> um, he also has this like ear-piercing shit <laughs> on there. Every time he... So I thought, fuck me, that would just that would throw me off completely. It's not as bad as Charlie Edwards, though. I didn't actually. God, that annoys the life out of me. And I get why people do it. It's the uh, exp expelling air so that you're constantly breathing. Yeah. Um, I get that, right? But it, there are certain times when it's a quiet atmosphere and the box is particularly loud that you hear it every single time. Was it like a Sharapova? <laughs> yeah, but Charlie Edwards was really bad. I'm like, tss, tss, oh, really? Tss, tss, all the time. And I'm like... Now, you know those little like alarms people put on their lawn stop cats coming in? Like, di -di 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 -di. that's what uh, Boatsy sound like when he was like... Tss. And I was like, ow! <laughs> but I didn't actually see the Edwards fight, uh, which we're moving on to now. Um, but I have annotations of... Billy Joe and the double punch. The double punch was cool, actually. That was very, very cool. Um, and so, you know, we have to... What was it? A double uppercut, wasn't it, basically? No, double hooks. Oh, was, okay. He just went left and right whilst the guy had his guard oh, that's up. That's right, yeah. And he didn't get warned for it, which is, I was really happy about. But um, what was the Billy Joe? What were you talking about? Uh, he did the... Uh, where Moreno threw a punch. And they looked, looked to the moon. Into the right, crowd. and then this comes on to the wider conversation about the whole showboating of the fight. So Charlie Edwards won it 120-108. 107. Oh, 107, okay. Yeah, because there was a knockdown in there as well. <laughs> so not only did he win all 12 rounds, he won on... <laughs> yeah. And this but... was the main event. This is what I can't understand. I really enjoyed the Boatsy fight. And by given what you two have said about Conroy, he was a worthy challenger for a title, for the albeit the, Engle uh, the yeah. British title. <laughs> How does Edwards Moreno stand up as a main Let's give some fight? context to this, right? right so you've okay. got Adam Smith as they're introducing the fight. They bring up, <laughs> they bring up on the screen the pre-fight odds and Adam Smith in the middle, like mid-flow of the conversation of saying how, you know, it, it's likely to be, it should be a competitive fight and they bring up the odds. 1 to 66, Charlie <laughs> Edwards. 16 to 1, Moreno. 
whilst Adam Smith... Show you how crooked ga- have, um, gambling firms are. <laughs> <laughs> but this is while Adam Smith is saying it. And then, you know, we've been... I think, to be fair, nobody in the build-up has said this is a 50-50 fight. But they're still selling us this as a world title fight. And then it gets mentioned during the fight that Moreno used to be Charlie Edwards' sparring partner. So you've got a sparring partner versus the champion in a 1-66 to fight, headlining a Sky show that ends 12 rounds to minus one. Okay, so so think about think about what a one to sixty six fight is the equivalent of. Is the equivalent of Manchester City being three 0 up against Liverpool with, with four minutes to go? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and that's just when like you know you're like nah, I can't put a bet on that. That just looks bullshit. And this is before it started. Yeah. But how long has it been since we've had a world title fight on a standard Sky Fight Night? The last one was Ryan Burnett versus Zakianov which was two years ago? Something like that. I don't know. Um, that was the last time. I like so how you said it. Two years ago. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's something like that. Because Burnett's been through like the World Boxing Super Series and had his injury and um, all these things since then. But so this ticked a box for me. That's what it felt like, was that it ticked a box. that You could find the cheapest world champion in your stable, <laughs> which is a flyweight, which Charlie Edwards... Bring over this Spanish dude who used to be a sparring partner for about, I don't know, what, £9.80 he probably cost to bring over. Mm, uh, if you booked your flights early enough, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's his purse. I got I got flights to well, Dublin once and not only that, for but free. The guy covered his own purse because then he'd like do 200 tickets. Yeah, 200 odd tickets, which in Hearn's words shows that he's come here to win. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's not take anything away from Moreno for heart guts effort and ticket sale and ticket sales but skill sets a million miles apart as shown well, in the scorecards well, no, well so I, I found this really interesting because he's the third guy I've seen like this so this weekend we've seen it twice Moreno was one uh, Gutierrez on Friday night was another and then we saw it in February with Ted Cheeseman these Spanish guys from like the Sergio Martinez school yeah. of boxing are coming over and giving British boxers problems. Why I like what Charlie Edwards did was he solved that problem oh. in a way that no one else has been able because to do. Because he sparred him for however yeah. long before. But, but also because Charlie Edwards is one of the few British boxers that boxes in multiple dimensions. So look at Ted Cheeseman. Cheeseman is, I need to set my feet, but once I set my feet, you're in trouble. So I think it was Garcia was just like, how about I don't let you set your feet and then we'll have fun. And I'll just, what I'll do is I'll pick you off as I move and it might not hurt you, but I'm, I'm scoring and it's draining you. It happened to Sam Smith on Friday. I know we'll talk about this fight later. Sam got, after, after the Gutierrez lady weathered the storm, she just picked her off on the move. Just, it, was, it was these raiding attacks that Martinez has seemed to spread into the Spanish boxing psyche you know we can talk about how they can do this for as long as they do it that's another question but charlie edwards was the first british boxer i've seen comprehensively solve that problem by going if you want to move i'll move too and i'll pick you off now let's see who's got the better skills on the move so fair play to charlie edwards for you know it's just showing that there's a way to deal with this style and we don't have to be scared of it yeah um 
I want them to clarify. When they said that he was a Charlie Edwards sparring partner, do they mean for this fight? <laughs> I think I think he genuinely was. Um, but just, it was a... Charlie Edwards was very, very good in a fight that was clearly designed for him to be very, very good in. It... <laughs> After, and we can all be retrospective about it, it feels like it was a waste of a, a main event on a Saturday fight night. You know, I'm my, my, my view on that match from card remains the same. I enjoyed watching it. I, I, I enjoyed the show as a whole. Yeah. By round four of that fight. Look, if you're going to showboat, if you're going to do a double hook, if you're going to look out to the crowd, if you're going to drop your hands and put your chin out, then I also expect you to finish that opponent. Yeah, I want to see some savagery. Don't don't do the flashy stuff if you haven't established physical dominance. Because remember, the Spanish guy was like, "Let's have it." He was a bull. Yeah, he was like, remember when he's just leaning back on the ropes and he was like, "What have you got for me?" Yeah, yeah. Like he wasn't bothered by the power of Edwards. So if you're gonna do all that stuff, I also expect you to stop it before the twelfth round, and not a dodgy British stoppage where it's a few <laughs> punches and the ref jumps in. I'm talking. I want you to physically dominate that lad because the knockdown was more not more of a slip but, but it was part of a but slip but to add in how happy was I to see Bob Williams doing the the refing in the in the Ritson fight because you know he's always at your call isn't he yeah and I was just like yeah. yeah let him get his TV time yeah it's good and, and, you know, and, and he's got that Steve Lillis thing when he's watching like if you watch him it, it, he's there watching intently like ooh living it ooh, yeah I love that <laughs> or what about Victor Locklin where he did the uh, the introductions to the fight and he's like, you know, protect yourself at all times. In his Scottish accent, protect yourself as old... Oh, fuck, I can't do that. Um, and then he did it in Spanish to Moreno, but with a Scottish accent still. And Moreno's like, <laughs> mate, in English, please. Yeah. <laughs> Should we move uh, on? No, no, can we just touch on okay. a nice gesture by Maurizio Suleiman at the end of that Edwards fight? Like, you know, Charlie Edwards has had some family issues yeah. with his mum and that. So Mauricio Suleiman comes backstage after the fight, presents the mum with a belt, like to honour her courage. It was and great. Stuff. Lovely gesture. Like, I know we give the governing bodies a hard time for, for their, their chicanery, and we should, quite rightly. But moments like that, I fully respect. And I go, yeah, you know, there might be something, you know, behind there that has been prompted. I don't mind. But what I saw, just the optics of it, I'm like, that's what boxing's about. Should we move on to... Wait a minute, did we actually speak about the showboating element of what you didn't like Yeah, sorry, mate, it? you were just on the phone um, <laughs> ordering a kebab and dialer booze. While we and a half-pound burger, Fine. no meal. Uh, okay, let's move on to the Warren Did card. we even discuss the Boatsy fight? <laughs> oh, yeah, we did, because I was fucking paying attention. <laughs> I didn't watch the Warren fight, so I'm going for the Warren card. Warren card. I'm going, you're going for a piss, okay? But look, um... J- j- no, no. We'll we'll talk about we'll talk about the sort of the the late night discussions and the post fight impact afterwards. We'll we'll talk about Frank now. Okay, so are we talking about Gorman versus Johnson? Uh, yeah. So so Nathan Gorman fights Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson previously fought Daniel Dubois. So I think Gorman was meant to fight someone else. Someone else just missed there. Nice. Yeah. That was a homage to many boxers. The the great Chris Eubank, living legend. But no, so, so essentially. You know, I think Gorman's meant to fight someone else. Johnson comes in as a replacement. You know, worst of all possible worlds because Kevin Johnson's that guy. We use the word seasoning a lot, but he's a seasoned heavyweight and he knows how to survive the rounds. 
So Gorman's going to hide into nothing because Gorman's not a massive puncher. And I think the way to stop someone like a Johnson is to be a massive puncher. So Gorman was trying to be clever and, you know, use his... Because he's got quite a fast left hand. So he's trying to use hand speed on Johnson. Johnson had seen it all before. It was a fight that Gorman was winning easily. But I suspect he did very little damage to Kevin Johnson. It was a fight that left more questions around Gorman than it did anything else. So now they're talking about Dubois, Gorman... I just don't see how Gorman survives against Dubois, to be honest with you. I, I'd, I'd imagine Frank has seen that now and he'll push him in two different directions. It, it wasn't an impressive fight to watch. It was quite hard to watch. But, you know, Nathan's got the win and he moves on. Look, there was a point, there's a point in that fight where Ricky Hatton's got him in the corner and Ricky Hatton just goes, listen, mate, he's a tricky customer. We're not going to get anything out of this. Just see it through. Yeah. Just see it through. Keep trying stuff. Keep trying to work openings out. And you can see, even so everyone generally knew Gorman wasn't going to get the stoppage in that. It was just about getting getting through the rounds and just getting that experience of being in with a tricky customer. Um, Maxwell versus Satterley. So on the subject of showboating, right? So in the last round of this fight... <laughs> this was brilliant. This was the one bit I didn't yeah. see. So... Sam Maxwell has been dropped twice in the fight thus far. His face is battered. He's he's been in a war, in a fight where he wasn't expected to be in a war. And you know, at various points, Barry Jones and John Rawling were questioning: Is this guy the man to be bringing titles back to Box Nation, BT Sport? And you were there going, "I'm not so sure." Uh, although some, I think some of the judges had Maxwell up. So in the last round, uh, so I think it was Seredi or Sididi. I can't remember his name. Lands a left hook on Maxwell, buckles him. And had he been focused and interested, he would have stopped him because Maxwell was gone. Instead, he takes the piss out of Maxwell by replicating Maxwell's stumble. And he does it twice. So they carry on boxing. And then he starts showboating again with about 40 seconds to go. And he carries on showboating. And Maxwell, out of nowhere, lands a straight right hand that just starches the guy like this is one of those i think i can't remember we're talking about last minute stoppages weren't we in terms of the spence garcia fight when yes. you asked me where and, when someone's dominated for a whole fight and then the other bloke just bangs him out or whatever well so this was one way maybe the guy hadn't dominated but he felt he had dominated and got stopped you know like frotch taylor you know taylor kind of dominated the fight and got stopped you know thanks to danny watley for reminding me about a couple more but I think my point was, this guy, had he not showboated, had he seen out the round, had he actually boxed to win, he might have stopped Sam Maxwell. Instead, he ends up getting starched. And the thing, and this is what I mean about showboating. Showboating is done at a point where you're in total control. And what you're basically saying to the guy is, I've taken your soul and now it's time for you to go. And I don't think that happens. So Sam Maxwell... I think there's some more questions over him. I don't know where you put him. Because what's he boxing? 140? believe so you wouldn't want to put him in with, with someone like a Ritson I don't think he he can survive that level of power uh what's Tyrone Nurse now? 147 so probably not maybe give him the loser of a Robbie Davis Jr J is it John Hughes Joe Hughes J Joe Hughes sorry yeah maybe give him the loser of that let's see where he's really at because I wasn't that impressed with the performance but look you learn from those sorts of situations you learn from that adversity and I hope his injuries aren't too bad and he gets to fight again. 
you wanted to do a shout out for Sam Smith. You oh. being one of you. I, I just I always shout out Sam, man. Like, go back a long way with Sam. Well, not even a long way. In boxing terms, it's a long way. You know, I remember her at Danny Thornton's gym in Leeds, a place called Camp Detox. And she used to run a female boxing class there. She was just kind of kicking back, chilling. And then she moved to her own place, the Alliance Gym, which is the other side of Leeds. So I'm, I'm loyal. And we got, I remember we just talked boxing. And, you know, as you, you know the story of mine. And I just said to her, look, if you really want to give it one last go, man, talk to Steve Goodwin. Because at the time she was boxing a Maltese license. Yeah. Um, and she'd done a few white collars, I think. And mm. uh, I mean, the Maltese stuff... It's probably somewhere in the middle of the two, really, yeah. let's be honest. Uh, and yeah, then she went and joined up with Steve. Yeah, I just said, I remember I remember the conversation, it was a Wednesday, and I just said, look, get a hold of Steve Goodwin. You know I mean, I've already told him about you. Just say, yeah, just have a chat with him. He's a good guy. And I, and I do mean that, he is a good guy. And he'll help you. And so the rest is kind of history. She had the tough Commonwealth fight on the Haymaker card. She was slightly undercooked for that. Uh, you know, probably needed a couple more fights before that. She had one in the interim before this fight to, to tick over. And then she fought this lady, Maria Gutierrez, who once again has that, that Martinez style of, we're just going to use the perimeter of the ring and we're going to catch you at points where you're off balance and you're not set to punch and we're just going to pick you off. But the interesting thing was, I think the first five rounds, I think Sam was pretty dominant. Her, her one-two transition one two was the story of the fight because she was catching her on both right hands and the thing is we always say this in boxing if the thing works keep doing it until it doesn't work but she almost fell in love with her own power and then tried to go right i want to impose other elements of my game and then at that point i was just like no don't do that <laughs> but this was this was a good example of women's boxing like, i'm cool with this so Gutierrez was an Olympian. Sam Smith is more from the, as I said, the white collar. From the mean streets. Yeah, from the learning on the job um, example. But she did not embarrass herself. She had she had Gutierrez in all sorts of problems in round two. She lands... And round three. And round three. But round two particularly. And if she'd have been able to capitalise on that. But this is where the women's rounds being two minutes doesn't help her. Yeah. Uh, in the, if it was a three minute round. But... She, by the end of the fight, it was a, a clear win for Gutierrez. I think like her class showed by the end of it. Um, but Sam had her moments. She had her opportunities. I wish she'd have led with the right hand more often because she was too often looking for starting everything with a jab and Gutierrez was starting to just let the left hand go down and go off to her left too often. If Sam had been able to jump him with the right. But, but it, I think the challenge actually was, if you look at what Sam does, Sam Sam gets into position, then sets herself, then punches. Now, someone like Gutierrez reads that so easily that she's like, actually, I know what you're about to do. What what Sam didn't do was she didn't move in behind fire. Like when you when you step and jab, step and jab, you have to react to that jab. And once you react to that jab, you've got to plant your feet to react to it. And I think if Sam had just carried on, just pumping the jab, maybe touch it to the body a little bit, come over, just a little bit more, a little, little bit of black pepper on, on the burger. Do you know what I mean? Just put that on there and then start to experiment from there. But what happened after a while was the fight just had the standard pattern of Sam trying to get close, Gutierrez going, fuck that. And, and so you start to feel sorry for Sam. And you could hear, 
Oh, Murph in a corner. He's a good guy as well. Yo, weirdly enough, like that guy used to, was it? He used to just DJ before he boxed or anything. Like, <laughs> really fascinating story. If you know him, like he, he's done so much. And he's this guy that like, he'll just stop doing stuff. And people go, but you're a really good DJ. He's like, now nah, I'm boxing now. And when he's done with boxing, he'll stop boxing. He won't even engage with it. But I've got so much love for Sam. I love what she's doing now. And people, I know she's 38, close to probably heading up to 39. But I want her to carry on as long as she can because Jesus Christ, she's strong, number one. Number two, I don't know how she makes lightweight. I'm being brutally honest because Gutierrez is 5'7 and Sam had a lot of height on her. And you're looking at that going, I don't know how you make 65, 60 kilos, sorry. Happy as fuck that you're getting to live this, man. You're in Madrid. You've been on a Haymaker show. We talked about this earlier, right? It's about memories. And she's making those memories and she's not disgracing herself. So I'm going to bang the drum and say, look, keep going. Like There's going to be a happy level for you. And maybe, because this is what happens in women's boxing, maybe a year and a half down the line, you fight Gutierrez again. It's a different fight now. So yeah, you know, I think the broader point about this is that like this headlined a casino show in Madrid. I watched it live on YouTube as it was going on. This is the kind of fight that helps women's boxing. And like being non-partisan about it, you know, I wanted Sam to win, but whatever. Like the fight itself helped women's boxing. This is the kind of fight that should have been on TV. This is the kind of fight that should have been backed by Hearn. Um, and for whatever reason isn't uh and like if you're gonna build the sport give a spotlight to that kind of fight and not what we saw last night okay i ask a question how did xavier miller end up in the corner cuts him but like they've got guys up there i don't know ask them i guess yeah because I, like, I was like what i was like where's where's darren where the hell's darren oh man but no got a lot of love for sam um and Lynn Harvey boxed on that as well. So people won't know Lynn Harvey. Lynn's an Irish young lady. I think she boxes around 48 kilo. And she was unlucky as well. So she lost on that card as well. But lovely young lady. Like I said, these women are just living going, look, it's about collecting memories, not collecting regrets. So, you know, a big shout out to them. They're having these competitive fights and they're challenging themselves. You know, long may it continue. That concludes us covering the Sky Sports card and the Warren card. So, questions. Selby. No, no, we need to talk about Andrew, Andrew Selby. Selby. On the one card. No, no, in Mexico. Yeah, but I'm just no. saying, like this, this is oh, we can talk about that afterwards. No, no, this is important. Yeah, but I realise that, but this is this question is to do with Sky Sports. So uh, who, who's the guy? <laughs> UK Who's 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 question? Mark, UK boxing fan six. Says, oh, oh, that, oh that's not oh that's not UK boxing fanatic. Um having recently had a change of the guard i.e. Froch, Bellew, retiring, etc. And we're being told that Boatsy, Akoli, Kelly are the future of Sky Sports. Surely Hearn should be forcing them down our throats rather than letting them box in the USA. It depends what well, Hearn's game is, right? Wait a minute, run through the names again. Well, he says Boatsy, Akoli, and Kelly. But they, all None two of them are boxed out of the I was going to say both of them booked in the U. But is there plans then to box in the U? Uh, okay, June so 1st. they are looking at taking Buatzi and possibly a Coley onto the Joshua. Right? And Kelly. Kelly's, Kelly's Oh, is he okay? But doesn't that sit well with, I believe it was your prediction, Martin, last night, that perhaps Eddie Hearns 
bolstering the DAZN product whilst slowly letting his Sky Sports well, contract potentially peter out. I also think he can squeeze more money out of DAZN than he can from Sky. So he's also... I, 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 look, so let's... I'm just putting theoretical numbers out. If Josh Kelly is getting 30 grand a fight on Sky Sports here, if he's saying, look, on the Joshua card, we can do it for $55,000, $60,000. As a... You know what I mean? For Kelly, you're like... That's more money. I don't know what the tax treatment is. So let's let can we if, we if we ignore that for a second. If it's financially better off to box in New York, it's a big fight. It's a chance to build your profile. So the Americans now know who Josh Kelly is. They know who Akoli is. They know who Boatsy is. Then you can bring him back here. But when they when they're mature and ready to go to America, they're known. That could be another option as well. It is hard to tell until either Hearn or Sky start to lay some of their cards on the table. This is very hard to tell. What, what what it does, though, is it makes life hard for British boxing fans because we now know if Boatsy boxes June 1st, we're not going to see him in the UK ring till October. Now. What really amused me about it is when they were asking them about this after the fights and they were asking Boatsy about um, will you fight on the Joshua undercard, the Sky team, their narrative is almost like um, like it's going to be a bonus fight for Buatzi. Like, oh, are you going to squeeze one in on like June the 1st? That's kind of how they portray it. When actually, if he's fighting June the 1st, that kind of makes sense anyway. Because, I mean, what does that give you? All of April, all of May. You get an eight-week training camp to fight on June the 1st, which you could have been doing over here. It's not like it's a bonus fight in his career. It's just a fight in his career, which, as Terry says, means we won't then see him back fighting in the UK until... September, no one really runs shows in September, so October kind of time, which, yeah, it means that we're kind of losing some of the talent from over here to bolster it in America. I heard the other day, talking about the zone, Adam Smith at Sky, allegedly, apparently, maybe, um, had been going for a job of head of boxing at the zone. <laughs> well, so here's the thing they're so, hiring. No, no, so, so the zone are hiring. Um, just random things. Um, you know, I've been in contact with James Rushton. You know, we're we're LinkedIn buddies. We're LinkedIn buddies before the Hearn thing, actually. Weirdly enough, but James Rushton is CEO of DAZN. So and, he and, and, and John I fell Skip, into that. He wanted yeah. me to ask that question, didn't yeah, he? Exactly. And jo- <laughs> and I think John Skipper's CEO of the Perform Group, so he's like the big boss. Yeah. But look, has he blocked you? No, of course not. They they love me, man. <laughs> Everyone loves me on LinkedIn. But I think the point the point I'm trying to make is they're hiring so aggressively now. If you're Adam Smith, you're seeing where the future is. You're seeing where the budgets are. Yeah, well, this but is it's, it. it's quite amusing because you see the Adam Smith interviews on IFL and he's like, we've got to be really careful that Hearn doesn't take all the stable and leave nothing on the UK shows. And I've told Hearn, I've told Eddie that the Cheeseman show wasn't good enough and he understands that and they really need to bolster this Sky product and make sure that doesn't falter. In the meantime, is apparently going off very aggressively trying to get himself a job for design. He doth protest... <laughs> too much do you know what just for that i'm now going to also apply for the same job oh yeah yeah why not yeah so i'm look. not even sure there is a job i know he's just trying to position yeah uh, sorry i believe he's just trying to position himself no, I, i'm literally i'm literally, that role I'll, I'll you say, silly things I'll, misspeaking like that I'll, yeah, no 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 i'll just say to james rushton look you need a head of boxing i do a podcast with 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 two other heroes we can job share no, no, you don't be joking. Well, we could, yeah. well, why are you no, freezing no, me no, out, no, dickhead? No, 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 no. I want no, him. No, 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 listen. 
basically, it will just be the podcast. <laughs> All matchmaking <laughs> will be done on the podcast. <laughs> Like <laughs> this will be the zone boxing just here. Yeah. You want Can trans- you honestly say You want transparency? If you if you wrote a load of names, right, and put them into a hat and I picked them out and I chose them, given what I know about boxing, can you honestly say that, that would be any worse than some of the sky shows that we've seen? Yeah, Andy, that's In- the, that's our Romanian cleaner. All right, she can fight corn. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I look, look look I met this guy in Tesco. He looks about six two. Looks like a cruiserweight. Maybe we'll whack him in there. Yeah. How many tickets can he do? We can bring a few doormen back from Benidorm next week. <laughs> who, uh, who, how many of you want us to film our time in Benidorm and uh, I say film, record our time in Benidorm on a stag do and put it on a podcast? No. <laughs> no, literally no one needs that. It wasn't an offer anyway. It wasn't a genuine offer, but I like to... I know you're off the rails at the moment. Mate, mate, you need another coffee. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Dan Glozier asks, can license it? Shout out to Dan. VIP. Yeah, VIP. good guy. VVIP. Ringside. Yeah. Um, can, Dan, uh, can licensing and governing bodies jointly mandate that baby-faced assassin nickname be officially outlawed forever? I'm bored of everyone with no facial hair or imagination, men and women, calling it themselves. I am with him on this 100%. And I've suggested as well that we throw in Golden Boy. Like, the guy last night, the Moreno he was called Golden Boy yeah. Luke Campbell started off as Golden Boy didn't he there's so many of all of it <sighs> kind of thing Babyface yeah. Assassin agree get rid of the one I do like bin. is Bronze Bomber like that works because I know it's a play on the Brown Bomber who was Joe Lewis but I like Bronze Bomber it's, it's also an acknowledgement he didn't win yeah <laughs> like the Golden Boy is meant to be when you've won gold medals of the Olympics you're then the Golden right, okay. Boy Although I don't think Moreno ever won. Although to be honest, Craig, in Olympics. after December first, Craig Scott He's can rightly claim from... to be the bo- bronze bomber, as he has a bronze bomber jacket. What? Do you remember December first? Oh yeah, so, you have such a good memory, Aye. and I don't remember Craig Scott's attire on Aye. December the first. Sometimes I dread at the beginning of the podcast. I ask you two about your weekend. I was like, I hope they don't ask you about mine because I can't remember what I did. And yet he's bringing up like <laughs> the most ridiculous things. Craig from... Scott's jacket. <laughs> Four months ago. Aye. The bronze bomber. That bronze bomber. And then you're surprised when I don't get the Craig link. Scott. <laughs> Craig Scott's not from Russia, by the way. No, he's not. But listen, the one time <laughs> in my life I'm going to admit to trolling, right? Kovalev does a live video right? on Instagram. And I just peppered his timeline with questions. Why are you scared of Anthony Yard? And he was ignoring me. So I did it in Russian as well, right? You don't so, know Russian, do you? No, Google Translate. And it worked, right? Because he's, he's, he's in his car and he's looking. He goes, Yeah, yeah, this high field boxing. Anthony Yard. And he just starts going mental in Russian. I didn't understand any of it, but I'm just laughing my nut off, like, Yes! So you uh, are a troll after all that time. Nah, listen, listen, man. I, I'm I'm team yard through and through. We had to get some mischief in there. Nah, I don't believe that. You've, what never, about you've never been a defender. Fucking Tunde Ajay this week. We haven't got this on the uh, on the Babatuns. What the fuck is that man? He should be sectioned. No, nah, uh, he's he's right. Number one, shit. Context, number one, fucking hell. number one. He yard is, is the A side. Right, number one. He isn't the A side. Yeah, he is. Come what, on. What? Because what? Tunde Ajay's reasoning. Right. 
This is a man who can't sell out the Brentwood Leisure Centre. He starts it's a saying, big leisure centre. <laughs> he starts saying the Yard versus Kovalev should be at the Emirates. For fair point. Based on probably Wembley, but Emirates will do. <laughs> but an Emir- he couldn't sell out an Emirates plane. But <laughs> he owns three. Oh yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. Fucking matchbox. Um, oh, don't hate, man. Like, Yard is a real deal. Oh, dream, believe, achieve. Because apparently that's the business model to sell in 60,000 tickets. If you dream it, believe it, achieve it. Spencer Fearon taught us that. Uh, absolute lunacy. I, like, I, of the highest order. What they should do is say, okay, well, look, we'll hire it. And you know how Hearn says the, the boxer owns the show? Do that in this scenario. Give the risk and the profit to Yard and Tunde Ajayi and say, here's the Emirates. Nah, Britain doesn't want him to be a billionaire, so they won't let him do that. Fuck about. So, no. yeah, his his argument was that um, uh, Yard don't even is... Know. There you go, you see? Yard is an Adidas global ambassador. Facts. And therefore, that shows how important he is and why he should be the A-side and why yeah. that helps him sell Who out. Who else is the global brand ambassador? Ronaldo? Okay, so I, Messi? I, I still right. need a little bit uh, yeah. of Okay, so he here. says Google who the <laughs> Google who the Adidas global brand ambassadors are. Yeah. Adidas don't even have it on their website. That's how <laughs> shitty a title this is. It is not on the Adidas website. And if you actually... Well, well it is for people in the know. It's fuck you don't what? know the link. You're just what? there googling stuff, man. We, I mean, we, we we're there with Adidas. We've of got, course you are. And you're Nike yeah. jumper. Nah. Yeah, you really are part of the Adidas team. My yes, Adidas, Adidas <laughs> man, through and through. <laughs> um, yeah, and like you then find out you can find some of them of which Yard isn't listed, but then there's a whole load of people that I've never ever heard of that in Who? sports that I have a, a reasonable knowledge Who? of. Who? I can't remember. I have never heard of them and Listen, I didn't commit them a- to a- memory. A- Anthony Yard is the most Googled human being in history. <laughs> I love it how like <laughs> you'll turn it up to 11. You'll uh, turn no. it up to 11. But he- he- here's Googled what we know. Googled human no. in history. <laughs> there are a couple of animals that sit above him. No, but here's but- the thing. No, here's the thing, right? No. A- Anthony Yard... <laughs> No. Well, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Let's be it's serious. So it's like anti yard, then it's Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's be serious now, right? Right. When the aliens come to Earth and they ask, who is the perfect representation of your people? Shoot me. You'll have to point to Anthony Yard and go, he represents all of us. That's why he's an Adidas brand ambassador, because we all need to get fitter. That's why he's a Maxi Muscle brand ambassador, because we all need to get stronger. Kovalev sees these adverts, never mind the videos. He sees the adverts, he gets scared. That pad work, remember when he put the hands on the pad, man? Like, I've never seen that before. That's, that's impossible to do. No other human being can do that. So my issue, I don't have a problem with Anthony Yard. Of course you don't. Okay. And I hope Anthony Yard goes on to have a brilliant career. I really do. But it's very hard to like the man when you've got that amount of bullshit being spouted by the people around him. And your entire argument is based on being an Adidas global brand ambassador. And well, you're telling us... Fair, and being an Google, Arsenal fan. The most and, and, Google and, human And being history. an Arsenal fan yeah. means that you're going to sell 60,000 tickets. Him, look, look. Okay, so Dan Aziz... No, no. So Dan Aziz... Yeah, come on, man. Dan Aziz, in terms of like Arsenal connections, man, like Dan Aziz has penetrated 90% of the global Arsenal fan base, right? 
At Niyad is at 123% penetration of the Arsenal global fan base. <laughs> you only need 2% of that, that, that to get into the Emirates and you've sold it out. Could Anthony Yard turn if you a had Spurs Anthony Yard into an no, Arsenal no. fan? If you had Anthony Yard in an Arsenal shirt, boxing at White Hart Lane, it would sell out with Spurs fans. <laughs> and they'd look at themselves and they'd wonder, who am I really? Why have I why have I gone down this dark path? This man is here to lead the light. You know, so right, right honestly, now I'm wondering why I'm down this fucking dark path. Seriously. Honestly. And you're well, running no, no, to no, walk no, towards no. the light, aren't you? No. When the Kovalev fight happens, this is all that needs to happen, right? Anthony Yard versus Kovalev, Dan Aziz versus whoever he wants. Uh, I still think Lionel Thompson's a good fight. And then look, those guys will sell out the Emirates, man. Look, th that's what I mean about relevance. These two are very important to the ecosystem of boxing. Everyone's trying to hate on Yard and that Yard is carrying British boxing right now. Oh. Danny Watley asks... Someone turn this off. <laughs> it now looks as though Usyk has been brought into Matchroom to block Fury and the WBO, assuming that Frank's plan... Do you expect Fury to just continue fighting mediocre position, uh, opposition and retake money for doing so? Uh, sorry, and rake in the money for doing so. I'm a bit confused by this. And look, I've got lots of love for Danny Watley. Big love of the show. Fantastic. Yeah, but Danny Watley's a good guy. I, I'm struggling. Like, first of all, he says, expect to just continue fighting mediocre opposition. Is this... Well, Since the Tom yes, Schwartz yeah, announcement. Yeah, that, that came after the Schwartz right, fight. Right, okay. And when he says to block him a Fury for the WBO, there's plenty of routes open for Fury aside from the WBO. Well, not according to... The, he's only ranked in two governing bodies at the moment. But WBC he can fight for the WBO. WBC whenever he fancies. Yeah. So I think... Look, so da Danny's got a point. Are they, what, what's Schwartz? He's ranked number two in the WBO. So this is the news that Fury and Schwartz has been announced for... For June 15th. Okay. In Vegas. Yeah. So Tom Schwartz, not spectacular, but he's done what most boxers do. He's done what Joshua did in, on his come up. He's just sat in the rankings and waited for people to fall by the wayside. But like we always say, when you get to a certain level, you got to fight a certain level of opposition. So he's at that level where he's got to fight guys like Fury. So boxing philosophy the grund norms the the foundational principles of boxing dictate that schwartz has to fight a fury or a dillian white so it, has he been brought in to block as who's been brought in to block fury no because dillian sat there dillian's a big enough blocker unless dillian decides to move on then that changes the dynamic somewhat and i think if you heard dillian's ifl interview from last night he's still not committed to anyone and he's still looking at his options but I think it's also fair to say I don't think Frank has much steer over what Fury's doing anyway now. I think it's, um, it's a top-rank Bob Arum thing. I don't think Frank probably has any much, yeah. if any. But, but, but think I think whoever... both of them have enough muscle in the WBO because Frank basically validated the WBO in its early years and Bob brought Pacquiao to WBO when they needed someone to also elevate their belt. So they can sit there and go, right, this is what we need to happen. And they, they will have enough leverage to do so. Is it fair to say that, that whoever... Are you back recording Fury now after your little breakdown there? <laughs> whoever Fury signed with when he came back in 
was likely not going to have a great amount of sway in his direction anyway. Do you think he already had an idea of what he was doing? No, I think other people still have a say, but I think he's... I think Frank Warren had that say, and now Bob Arum has it. He's right. signed with top rank. But MTK likely have a big say in it as well. I'm not saying Fury is voiceless within it. I'm sure he has an opinion that is listened to and valid. But I just I don't think Frank Warren's view in any of it is probably listened to that much now. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, what do we foresee with a Fury Schwartz fight? Ah, uh, Fury is just how boxing break him down. What? Maybe I'm, stop. No, him. I'm not even convinced he'll do. I'm Why have we got to... Fury versus Schwartz, a gem boxer in Vegas? Is that going to be because Top Rank have paid for Fury now? They've paid for him to go over there, and there's this whole American loving on Tyson Fury after that Wilder fight, right? But I think they're about to get a really horrendous wake-up call. <laughs> do you know well, that you're about to see a man who doesn't dominate Tom Schwartz? Well probably dominates him with his boxing ability and can take him over 12 rounds and well, win 12 rounds to nil. No, no, but so, a bit so, of, so, so, bit so of holding, that, bit no. of turning, bit of grabbing, but without that explosiveness and that drama and yeah. that excitement that came with the Wilder fight. The well, kind of fury that we've seen for years. I I think, and like it's just some of the stuff I've heard from Ben Davison, I think they realise that this is a battle of hearts and minds among the three main heavyweight contenders. You can't be in there and have a stinker. Everyone's under pressure. Joshua's under pressure. You can't have a stinker at Madison Square Garden. Wilder cannot have a stinker against Brazil. Fury cannot have a stinker against Schwartz. There's a lot of pressure on everyone because if Fury can ice Schwartz or break him down like he did Chisora to the point where there's corner pull him out and Fury has that in him, if he can do that, then we're like, oh, he's just looking to take bodies. Okay, cool. If well, he does give that- him another guy. If he does that, absolutely brilliant. And I think we all want to see that. But if we get the same that we saw, or we've seen multiple times through Fury's career, I'm reticent to pick the Pianetta or the Seferi fights because they were the, the comeback after a long layoff. You could have but, two warms up <laughs> like Fury did. <laughs> but if we see the, the Fury that just dominates people without really looking to take them out, then America isn't going to, yeah. you know, they're going to start questioning where the receipts are in the top rank wallets. But I think Tyson's that guy, he understands boxing and hopefully he'll understand what his role is right now because he doesn't have a belt. So he has to be that renegade who's like, whatever you put in front of me, I'm dealing with, you know? And I, I don't think Fury's a guy to duck anybody. So he needs to keep himself relevant by just smashing through people. No, I've no doubt. I don't think he's going to duck anybody. I'm sure he'd fight anybody right now. But can we not see the fact that they've signed their appropriate as some sort of duck of each other? No, I think just fuck the lot of them. No, you can't. Look, right? Joshua's getting that DAZN money, right? Why am I going to come on DAZN and not get that Joshua money? But I feel I'm as relevant. So let me go and get that Showtime money. And then if I'm Fury, I'm like, well, they kind of all got their little partners. Let me get my ESPN money. I can't think about how easy it is to make the fights. Sod the fans. They're not paying me 80 million. Absolutely fine with all of it. Just I never want to hear the word legacy from any of them. I never want to hear Wilder spout off about one wow. name, one division, one face again. Mm. Um, because... Nah, wait, 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 wait. No. Joshua was on... What was he on? He was on Showtime, wasn't he? Yes. Why did Joshua leave Showtime when Wilder was on Showtime? Because of the DAZN money. And so so what I mean is, 
there was a point when it was like, hold on, they're both on Showtime. They both got deals on Showtime. This fight can happen on Showtime. The first person to move was Joshua to go to the zone. Right, and then DAZN... and Wild- Wilder hasn't moved. Right, but the zone offer him that money that but, apparently. But, but, no, no, no. but Wilder hasn't moved, so we need to deal with it in order of occurrence. Why are we letting Joshua get up? Oh, you went to the zone to get that money. Fair enough. But then when Wilder's like, I'm staying here to get that money. Oh, you're ducking. And when Fury goes to ESPN to get that money, oh, you're ducking. Well, let's let's just all agree that whether they've been on the same network or not, someone would have said you ain't fighting each other. I yet. don't. I've, yeah. uh, we've we've called out Joshua for ducking in the past when yeah. he made it when he made it abundantly clear that he was he made himself such the A side to an extent that was just going to be unacceptable for any other fighter. That's okay, a, that's effectively ducking by but, you know. But now now disguise, now, now let's pause and let's have a look. Three guys are fighting within four weeks of each other. I don't think Joshua's got the best opponent. I don't even think Fury's got the best opponent. Wilder's fighting the hardest fight. Uh, but Briazil's tainted, isn't he? By the fact that Joshua wiped him out in five rounds. But, okay, but what do you think Joshua does to Schwartz? Same thing. Yeah. If not quicker. What do you think Joshua does to Miller? But Same thing, if not quicker. Argument, well, at least all... with the Miller... And the Schwartz, there's the element of the unknown. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're going to win by any means, but there's the element of the unknown. They're both undefeated fighters you, you who have made... You can't go, <laughs> Wilder's got the, the hardest... You're, you're picking the bones out of free carcasses. Who cares about yeah, anything? No, no, but, but, but I guess what my point is, is that no one, no one's stolen the march. It's not like Joshua went to the zone and went, look, I've left these guys in the dirt now. I'm just about my legacy. If they now want to get give on board, me No, but that Usyk. comes, back, that comes yeah. back to what Martin was saying. Like... Ultimately, if they if there's three blokes there that are chasing the dollar and they're going to make themselves, you know, trillionaires, good yeah. luck to them. But don't ever turn around and tell us that you were the greatest boxer of your generation or tell us how much of a legacy you put together because you haven't even tried to do that. If you, you know, if you want to make money for yourself, then fair enough, you do that. But don't then try and I think they've tried. change the no, path no, no, later. I, I think they've tried. I think the problem is, I'd actually argue the problem is Joshua. Because if you look at it, right, Fury and Wilder made the fight. There didn't seem to be any quibbles about money or purse splits, right? But uh, that, that was almost a perfect storm, you would suspect, in that Fury was probably grateful for the opportunity after coming back so early, and Wilder's team probably thought they had Joshua, uh, sorry, Fury at a very good time of being a bit rusty. Yeah. So you can see why that might have come about. Yeah, but but... Even, I think, didn't they say, like, even negotiating the rematch, there's no friction? Then why didn't that happen? Yeah. Well, because it's like, we're coming back to that. That that, 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 that <laughs> well, no, I've got to let no, him no. marinade. Well, no, no, listen no, to no, Barry no, Hearn no, all no, of a no, sudden. No, 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 not even that. It's like, what these two went through isn't going to go away anytime soon. They no, can, that, that's they, cool. Yeah, I they could go and hoover up that. some money. The problem seems to... No, no, no. I but, hate but, that. I'm sorry, I hate yeah, that. Yeah. You know, we're uncomfortable with this, right? But they go off and hoover up money. Fine. I'm okay. I have no issue with that. It's when it comes to talking Joshua, that's when the purse splits and stuff comes up. Do you notice that the most friction in all of this is always when it's in relation to Joshua? And I'm like, why? Because as so, I can't remember who said this. When people really want to get shit done, they'll get it done. Joshua could say to John Skipper, Eddie Hearn, Barney Francis, God, Jesus, whoever. He could say to them, just make the fight. I want the belts. If, if I have to pay him more money for the I'll, I'll pay him more money. He could do that. 
if he was really that, if the belt was that important. Agree completely. Yeah. I'd love Joshua to do one interview and he goes, there's one belt missing. I will take less money than Wilder to fight for that belt. But why, conversely, Wilder could do exactly the same thing. Don't give me the one name, one face, one division talk because he could also do it. Yeah, but remember what happened with that. He was given terms. It wasn't even like, what will it take for you to fight? It's like, this is what we're offering you to fight. And yeah, then, yeah, cool. And, and, yeah, and his team were like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how this game works. But then, um, look, none of us are privy to the finer details of like, did they go back? Did they do this? Did they do that? The fact is, all of them, all of them could have taken less money. And we're talking gargantuan amounts of money, sickening amounts of money, like GDP of small nation kind of money, like 100 million for three fights, 40 million for one fight. Now, if you're telling me that none of them can go, okay, I'll only take 20 million for this fight because my legacy count... None of them have done that. None of them. And so they can all fuck themselves. Which, which, which bring, well, I know um, we've spoken, yeah. Martin, you've got a close relationship with a lot of uh, boxers and you've said before, I think that boxers believe they, they don't ever look at a fight and don't believe they can win. All three of them probably think they can beat the others. Yeah, yeah. but they clearly know that there's, they're not 100% certain of it. I think it's I more, they, I don't think it's that. They, 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 uh, value themselves as a yeah. as a figure as an entity yeah. so, but, but surely no, but, but here's my speculation the, the most logic if you knew, like sorry sorry if you knew if you knew 100% in your heart this you could beat just these up. people right then you'd go fuck it I'll take two quid to fight you because I'm going to no, smash you no, no. I'm going to smash you okay. and then I could charge you 100 no. million for the rematch no, so here's what I'd so like they to, must no, know no, no, there's, this, a, there's a I'll threat I'll tell you what this is what I'd like to hear I'd like to hear Joshua just come out on an interview, wherever he wants to do it, and go, after I'm done with Miller, I will fight Deontay Wilder, 50-50, all in for all of us. After that, everyone's getting what they're given. Agree. I'd be okay. If that's the next statement that comes out of Joshua's mouth, I'll fight Wilder, 50-50, yeah? Forget what network it's on. The businessman can sort that out. But him and I will take home the same amount of money after this, I'm not doing this for anyone else. I'm doing this because I need that last belt. After that, I'll be doing mandatories for the rest of my life if I keep winning them anyway. If, if Joshua does that, it kills all discussion. Because now you're saying to Wilder, mate, that's the best deal we think you deserve. Take it or leave it. And if he backs out of that, then we're like, yo, we're Team Joshua now. And that's what we need to see. We need, we need one of these guys to offer that clarity. And it looks like... Joshua's the guy that can set that tone. But yeah, the, the, the fact that I don't believe any of them have done all within their powers to make these fights happen. And therefore, I, yeah. I can't get behind any no. one of them anymore. For it's... a variety of reasons, I agree with you completely. And you, you end up sort of thinking, right, I just... Yeah, like if you're I can't willing to get behind that narrative, I'm absolutely cool with these men making as much money as they possibly can, yeah. so they can retire with the best lives they've possibly got. But therefore, shut up about legacy. Shut up about trying to unify the like undispute but, but, the division, all that stuff. Also, leave but, 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 it. if Joshua wait, wait, wait. waits three years to fight Wilder, and Wilder's just off off his peak or has shown signs of any weakness and that, and then he beats him. No, that's going to get logged as well. But no, like guys, you, guys, you ducked him until he guys, was weaker. I mean, guys, that's just guys. Let, let, let's also have a sense of perspective on this. If you, if anyone's read the book Four Kings, which covers yep. Duran, Hagler, Hearns, uh, Leonard. Yeah, I forgot Sugar Ray Leonard. 
What time span does that cover? 1980 to 1987, roughly? And how many fights is that in total? A handful. I think that's the reality of boxing. Ali fought Frazier three times, right, over a span of four years. Uh, both fought Holyfield over a span of, what, four or five? And do you know what the difference yeah. is? They didn't have IFL. Yeah. So we didn't have to hear about it all the yes. time. So what I'm saying is, <laughs> fighting boxing, it's never been a case that we're going to get every fight we want when we want it. That's never been the case. Promoters won't do that because they realise very quickly they'll be left with bullshit right at the back end. You know, so we just have to get used to this is the reality of boxing. Stuff just takes forever and it normally happens at a point where we don't care. Do you know what? I really hope in July we're sat here discussing the same thing, but we're talking about an undisputed fight between Jarrell Miller and Dominic Brazil. I hope Joshua and Wilder both get fucking ironed out, left on the canvas. But and teach him a fucking lesson. 100%. It'd be so nice to be like, oh, wait a minute. And, and the other one who's looking in on it all is Tom Schwartz. <laughs> Mate, I would, honestly, I'm at this the point. The danger man. I'm at this point thinking, nah, fuck him. Like, I hope someone comes and kicks that apple cart over. Yeah, because if Joshua and Wilder and Fury want to make as much money as possible and do their own thing, fine. But can we have some belts so we can play boxing again? But, <laughs> yeah, I'd love it if in July... Like, Miller and Briazil signed to make the undisputed <laughs> fight. That would just be absolutely brilliant. Oh, that would uh, be brilliant. Do you know what? Do you know what? You know there'd be court cases and, oh, look at this. Court. It, it would, would be yeah. wonderful. They'd just go 50-50. Yeah, nice one, lad. Can Cheers. you imagine if Miller was the first undisputed heavyweight champion? He has to, to sell a table three belts to get around him <laughs> so he can wear them properly. It's the first belt I've ever had that fits me. Um, okay. I'm all up for that. What do you want to talk any specifics about Wilder Brazil? Nope. Mm, Have we done that? Not for a while. I enjoyed. Listen, I enjoyed their their media day. Like I've said it before, Wilder's just an amazing talker. And I know people talk about oh he's talking about death again, but like Johnny Nelson said, he's just selling a fight for God's sake. You know, you guys are all complaining. Remember, you're consuming the content, you're engaging with it. That's why he's doing it. You know, I thought it was brilliant. Like all that stuff, you can have two warms up like Fury did. You can have four trainers like Fury did. You can have two two fights, three training camps. It ain't gonna help you. Ah oh, man! And then that extra long T-shirt he was wearing, game changer. You know, this is what I like. I like people who embody style and violence all in one. So yeah, she is. I, a I, look, all Wilder has man. to do is knock out Brazil in under seven rounds, right? And he just sits there and goes. I just smashed a better version of Brazil than Joshua did. There you go. And then he could just say, this is what I do to people. Joshua, Brazil, doesn't matter who it is. I'm going to hit them. They're not standing up. Okay, I don't want to go down this road too much because we've basically just had a conversation about it. Are we ever going to see Fury, Wilder, or uh, Fury, Wilder, or Joshua fighting each other ever again? Yeah. And what fights are we ever going to see? Ever Fury, Fury will be the guy most likely to make one of those fights happen. So we're going to see Fury Wilder again, I suspect. Or Fury Joshua. Mm-hmm. Look, 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 are we ever going to see Wilder Joshua? Look, don't underestimate the Miller pressure. Brazil. Don't <laughs> underestimate the pressure Dezona under to make these fights. Dezona well, doing really well. They even sorted out their pricing structure this week, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, Go on, Andy. Tell us more. So it was $10 a month, right? Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you can now pay, 
what is it? Uh, ninety dollars or ninety nine for twelve. Ninety nine for twelve months, or you can now pay twenty dollars a month. Yeah, oh. that's the gist of it. That's good. Which it's to me already doubled their monthly subscription fee. There's alarm bells of like, so I think Coogan put it to Eddie Hearn of like it's doubling the subscription fee, and Hearn said, "Well, it's not really. It's now eight dollars a month, basically, if you want to pay for it up front for twelve months, which smacks of cash flow, and which also stops that whole it stops the whole you can cancel any time thing. Yeah, and there's also the um, I think you can no longer do the one month free subscription. The, the, the like trial period there you go so right. all these things just they ring a few alarm bells of not to say the zone are going out of business because I'm 99% sure they're not but if you're suddenly changing your pricing structure so significantly from one option of $9.99 per month and that three month trial at the beginning to no longer having the three month trial and if you're a new customer it's $20 per month so you're doubling it or give us $100 right now and you can have it for 12 months, that's a cash flow thing. That's yeah. giving us $100 right now so that we can just fill the pot yeah, as soon as possible. Because we've got Canelo to pay. We've got Joshua to pay. We've got Golovkin to pay. I Miller just don't get pay. it though because there is basically a big ISO container full of £10 notes of a billion pounds. That's what I don't get. <laughs> don't even need. Like, Just give it away forever in perpetuity. Because you don't need it. There's a billion dollars knocking about. No, it is. When that came out, I thought you can paint it any which way you like, Eddie. But we're not stupid. We can see what this does in terms of a business move. Some of us. And it goes to show, and I think it's something Espinosa has been hinting at for ages, but he goes, Showtime's a mature business model. When we tell you what you can earn, it's pretty certain we have data. With the zone, they don't have data. Because what are we in? Like a year, but you can rule out the first, I don't know, call it first quarter. Um, so actually, maybe nine months, maybe even seven, into it actually being a viable business proposition. And, you know, that far into it, you've torn up what your rule book was and you've started again, basically. And, and your biggest fight to this date is... To this date! Date. Different this time. Oh, sorry. <sighs> no, no. But I found so the, the original for you, didn't I? Thank you. <laughs> I, now, I, I now need my hoodie just to, to really be, you know, fully brand aligned. You're Adidas one. Yeah, we'll get one made by Adidas. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm brand agnostic. But I think <laughs> when you look at the zone and you say your biggest fight thus far is Canelo versus Rocky Fielding. Yeah. After all the noise you've made and we're not looking at anything bigger than that until May 4th and then we get June 1st and then we might get Canelo in September. So that's four fights in all this time you've been hyping up and they're not even massive, they're not seminal fights. And what's funny is like, those are the biggest fights and yet you've still like taken all of the British talent and moved it over there and you've still not done a very good job of it really. Because I heard it's... Tommy Coyle's boxing there. Yep. Why? Why was Luke Campbell on an undercard, like six fights down an undercard? Why wasn't he just over here as a decent support fight on Saturday night? Dude, what was... <clears throat> and no one... It doesn't seem anyone's asking... Actually, you know, tell a lie. I tell you who is asking the right questions in the media right now. Reza from Fight Hype. Like, he's, he's had a good week. He's had a good couple of weeks, in fact, where he's the one guy who's terrorizing these people. Going, what the hell's going on? Danny Flexen had a good go on seconds out. He uh, he started tearing into Hearn about it. I quite like that. 
I haven't seen that. You you know me now. I'm I'm very limited in my choice of outlets. IFL and then normally one other. And it's either now it's either Fight Hype or Porky's Corner. You know I mean, I don't I don't listen to anything else. I don't think there are any credible journalists out there. It was I'll, IFL about a week ago. IFL still number one. Now now P- Porky's Corner is putting the pressure on, and and Fight Hype because I think Re- Reza's really. He's giving me interviews I like because he's not towing the standard line. Like he's there's a bit more color to the questioning he's got now, and I I enjoy that. You know, a guy who's taking a few more risks. Other outlets take hints. But Can no. I go home yet? I'm not. Like, uh, uh, would like to getting a hangover now. Would like to hear your thoughts on boxers having someone run their social media and interacting with people they know personally Ooh. and then blocking them. It seems a dangerous concept to me and can cause unnecessary problems. Mayor Brixton. Right, Asks. so Isaac Chamberlain's Twitter has become a lot more interesting of late. Some uh, really good views context. on it. It's just his views on Twitter, his uh, outspokenness has made it very, very interesting to right. read. Whether he's doing it himself is up for question. Right. He's probably not. I think it's been outsourced to somebody. Now... A good friend of the show recently found that he was blocked on Twitter by Isaac Chamberlain. Ah. Um, and then... <laughs> uh, f- like, is, was this a massive surprise to him? Yeah, or? yeah, because on Facebook, Isaac, who I think as far as I know, Isaac runs his own Facebook, had been sharing his work like that day. <laughs> this friend of the show's work? Yeah, right. and then found out that he was blocked on Twitter. And so I think what Rob's questioning is, is it a danger if you do outsource? There's nothing wrong, nothing illegal about outsourcing your Twitter by any means. Um, Do it. But you have to be very careful. If you're going to do that, and then you start blocking people on that account, you need to check with the owner of the account that that person you're blocking isn't someone who's actually a close friend or you know, a personal acquaintance to them, which uh, is the and scenario. And this is going down to like the way that, for example, me, you and Terry might speak to each other sometimes taking the piss out of each other. If a random stranger talks to that, you'd say, yeah, I'll you know, block. you, you would, yeah, you'd block it. So well, no, you would Andy, you're, <laughs> <laughs> that's your thing. But like uh, people assessing uh, uh, a social media manager, assessing that might go, well, this guy's run out of line and then block them. Yeah. So, so I think what's happened is, um, yeah, is that scenario that maybe Isaac has outsourced his Twitter and the person who was then running it has blocked somebody, not realising that actually they're a bit of a mate of that person. And but but here, so here's my thing. And, you know, I've probably talked about Twitter more in the last four weeks than I ever wanted to. But I've seen some boxes, news feeds and timelines. I've seen what they get. If it was me, and I was being told by my promoter or my manager, I need to be on social media. I'd be like, yeah, but there's some of the stuff I really don't need to read. I'd outsource it. Like, look, and this is is a boxing related one, but no, I remember the shit that Porky Russ was getting. And it wasn't like, had it just been personal about Russ? All right, fair enough. You can have a laugh about it. But it it easily crossed the line. When When you're making allegations about someone as a potential offender of any number of different types when you Pot and kettle, mate. Pot and kettle. No, 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 no. But <laughs> when you're there and you're publicly, you're attacking their family and stuff and you're doing this and you're doing that, not, not, not because they've gone at you personally, but because you disagree with what they said in a video. 
would you want to be running that when you're just reading this 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 trash if the question is would i want to be running such a such a, a media page no i would not no no that but, is but the if you're an outsourced guy you can read it because it's like well this isn't aimed at me so i can respond in a way that's less emotionally invested maybe or just block them delete them whatever mute them so i, I understand why you would do it and i i know a number of footballers don't run their own accounts for that exact reason. Yeah. Like some of the stuff you get back and goes back to what I said before. It's all of you guys out there that need to be accountable for this. You want to get closer to famous people, but it seems that there's a large proportion of people that want to get closer to them to just abuse them. And it's like, well, then you wonder why they put the barriers up. And so it's, it's a people choice. Are complicated. Society and people are complicated to be fair. Exactly. And so I understand why if Isaac's outsourced it, fine, means to an end and all that sort of stuff. Fair enough, you know. Okay. Uh, Riku Heikla asks, is how Al Heyman good for boxing from a fan's perspective? I.e., mm-hmm. fights getting made. Well, there wouldn't have been a 2017 without Al Heyman. Let's remember that. Yeah, I mean, this year... Even last year, it wasn't great for him. Um, not by any means, but he had a great 2017. I mean, in this scenario, you know, it's he's Wilder's... I think Hearn hinted today, didn't he, in a recent IFL interview, that... Uh, <laughs> well, how did he word it? I need to be careful here. That He said, I thought there were acts to stop somebody like Heyman being able to both promote and manage... So what he was getting at is that if Wilder's turned up for meeting with the zone and the zone have said, here's a hundred million, and then Heyman said, nah, we're not going to take that. He's acting as both manager and promoter for Wilder. How? Because that's what his roles are. No, no. But if, if Wilder says this is the offer from the zone, yeah. you're acting as a manager, right? Because yeah. your, your role as a manager is to secure your fighter's economic interest. Yes. So... That's all he needs to do. Now, as for promoting the fight, we wouldn't know who was promoting the no, fight. No, but that's the issue, is that as he's also his promoter right now, then... I wasn't aware Heyman had a promoter's license. <laughs> he doesn't officially, does he? But as you and I both know, he has very proxy promoter licenses. Okay, so can I ask you a question now? Shoot. When Kid Galahad's in an interview going, yeah, well, I know Warren made an offer, but I've got to leave that to Eddie Hearn to sort out and make sure I get my money. Yeah. And I'm like, I wasn't aware that Hearn had a manager's license. And it happens I, all the time, doesn't it? Exactly. All the time. So, so Hearn, and this is what I mean, Hearn will talk when it's convenient. I, I remember there were multiple times with Bullioni where he was talking about the offers they were going to make for fighters. And I'd have a conversation with Steve and say, is that a fight you're actually looking at? He's like, no, nah, not really. Um, but Hearn's gone on record on IFL talking about it without consulting with the manager. Yeah. Um, and 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 Hearn's in that this doesn't murky... strike me as surprising. No, but but Hearn's in this murky area where you look and you say, well, but I, I think the point is that yes, Hearn may well do it, but uh, yeah, so does Heyman. It's not to say two wrongs make a right no. in this scenario. So is he good for boxing? He's probably one of the reasons that we haven't seen Joshua Wilder. But he's not the only reason well, by any means. But, but he's also the reason boxers are probably getting paid more than they would have done. He, again, he's one of the reasons. Yeah. He's he's probably one of the reasons. He is one of the reasons why Eddie Hearn's even got the DAZN deal because DAZN have seen there's a marketplace yeah. that wasn't necessarily there before. Heyman's nurtured and now harvested that marketplace, so others want a piece of it as well. 
So he's both good and bad, but then so many people in boxing are both good and bad. I, look, See, I look, think this, he, this actually, the next question but kind of me, addresses... I've, always, I've, I've said this so many times. You can't be a good guy in boxing. As much as people portray themselves as good, you can't be a good guy in boxing because... And Frank Maloney said this perfectly. And he said, he said, he said let, let's say I pay a boxer 200 grand a year. That's his salary. 200 grand a year is his salary. He's like, how many times do you think he'll box, Terry? And I was like, as few as possible, right? As few as possible and take the easiest fights that he can. That's what a boxer would do. And he's like, how does that work for a promoter? It's like, it sucks for a promoter. And he was like, there you go. So as a promoter, I need this guy to be fighting as often as I need him to. And in the kind of fights I need him to do, he might not want to do that. So we can't be pals. We can't because we've all got to look out for our own interests. And sometimes our interests don't align. And that's the nature of boxing. And Heyman's come in and said, there are times I want to put you in shit fights for the greater good, but everyone's going to be paid well for them. James DeGale never complains about Heyman. Groves never complains, or not Groves, sorry, Frampton never complains about dealing with Heyman. Khan's never complained about Heyman. So I think, you've, you know, he, he was an agent for change. And he might, you know, if he becomes orthodoxy, it might become problematic. But just like Hearn was an agent of change in terms of how promoters needed to be more visible and explain what they do, you know, everyone's brought their little the facts are amazing. Their niches. Yeah. The facts are amazing, though, that if you had less boxing shows, but every boxing show that you saw, you were guaranteed to see high-quality matchups on it, there'll be more money in the sport because people will be... Heyman makes stronger cards than any other promoter. Um, Riku also asks, how do you build a good televised card given the... Sh- in Britain, given the shallow talent pool of British talent and uh, the commitment, the high number of televised televised fights. Start using meaningful fights. So I know Terry's going to roll his eyes at this, but some of the area fights, some of the English title fights, where you've got two lads, it means the fucking world to them. They may not be the most technically adept fighters. They may not be the most skillful. But some of the most intriguing fights you ever see are for English titles, where two lads are given their heart, you know, because that is their opportunity to move on. Like, we don't see those on TV anymore at all, um, because it's not glamorous, it's not sexy. It's more sexy to have a WBA intercontinental fight. Yeah. Personally, I would rather see K Prosper versus Sam O'Mason that I saw last week at York Hall. I would rather see that being like a, a third fight support on a matchroom card. What is wrong with having that? Because it's two lads that are giving their everything in a well-matched fight. Yeah. It's I not the don't most... know who you're on about, mate. Who are, who are these characters? <laughs> what I don't want to see... It isn't the most sexy thing in the world, but there are all these fights going on away from the cameras that, I don't know, say 50% of the time, they give you a really well-matched, hard fight that's enjoyable to watch. I've, I've said it before. Pro-Am shows would solve a lot of problems. What I never wanted to see was fights like Conor Ben's debut against some absolute muppet. Or just, Shannon Courtney versus just yeah, some absolute muppet. Just but, but they, fly, see, they fly no. in. I mean, it's not the it's not the fighters. It's not the opponent's fault. But it's the matchmaking. And then you think it's Why almost are watching no, it's this? almost not the matchmaking. It's the TV company's fault. If they're still allowing whoever, Matchroom or Frank Warren or Cyclone Promotions or whoever to put this on your TV, it's their fault. They ought to be putting more pressure on the promoters <laughs> to produce <laughs> a better content. And I, and I know I get 
hate for this, but like when compared to football, if every single Sunday, Super Sunday, was Scunthorpe Chesterfield, you wouldn't tune in on a Sunday to be a Sunday's a wank. No, like, it's, not, it's not necessarily about that because I'm saying put an English title fight, put an area title fight. Now, you might well say that's Scunthorpe versus Chesterfield and it's wank. What I'm saying is that fight is two well-matched lads. I'd be rather in favour of that. Rather than someone coming out of the Romanian embassy exactly that afternoon. Exactly that. That's what I see as Scunthorpe Chesterfield. Like, I'd rather watch a football... I'd rather watch... Uh, if I was going to watch football matches, I'd rather watch two well-matched teams going at it, you know, high stakes, everyone putting in 100%, rather than um, a higher-ranked team going no, through the okay, gears no, on some no, no. team. Stop, 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 right? The fights that Martin's talking about are two guys that aren't very good fighting each other. Not necessarily. Yeah, they're not very good. Like, you can have... Here's an example. You could have... You know, and this is my thing. Let's say you, you build a card and you go Dillian White versus... Derek Chisora. No, no, Again. No, no, no. <laughs> so you just say Dillian White versus Daniel Dubois. I know, yes, I know the difficulties in making that fight. You've got Dillian White, Daniel Dubois. You might have Kel Brook against Liam Smith. And then, you know, you'll have someone like a Katie Taylor on there, right? That's really what's going to sell the fight. Below all of that, you're basically just fishing around the gutter for a lot of opponents. <laughs> but why? No, you, because so, we've no, been forced no. so, it. So stop it. Yeah. So then you go, actually, hold on. There's a young amateur French kid at 71 kilos who's icing everyone. 71, that's such an old school weight. Sorry, 69. <laughs> and then you've got a young British kid like a Pat McCormack at 69. Let these lads go at it for five, three-minute rounds. Take the head guards off. Let these lads go. You're not allowed the, to pay them, are you? That's, they, what? GB lads are getting paid? But you're not allowed to give them a purse. What are you going to do? They, they'll make the money move. <laughs> Just like the Sourlands make the money move for their own ventures. You can make this happen. Because you have pro-am shows in Norway, for example. Mm-hmm. So what happens is the lads fighting each other on the undercard are really talented kids. And so now the fans know who these kids are. So when they turn over, you're like, whoa, you've boxed at a high level already. We know who you are. Now you're a pro. I'm invested in your journey. If we start picking up essentially what I call club fighters, and, you know, K Prosper wasn't a decorated amateur, uh, or Mason wasn't a decorated amateur, they're not like, like, like a lad like Dalton Smith who is a decorated amateur. Compare those two. You've got these lads who are good, honest pros, but they're not guys who the public are really going to connect with because there isn't that story. So you get the top-level amateurs, they showcase their skills, bang, there you go. You could have a mixture of both of what you're talking about. If you just had a, a committed matchmaker that had the um, reach that you would need, Give you could the, say, you know, there's a really good there's a really good English title fight coming up that people are actually going to like between two blokes. They're actually bloody good. So we'll get them on. And there's re- two really good prime shows that we're going to get on. Instead of just going, right, actually, you know what? We'll choose between one or two and then... We see a load of pram shows that might not be We've very good. We've got the good, Liverpool or... show coming up this weekend. Who's fi- Liam Smith, Sam Eggington's a headline. Cash Ali, David Price. Anthony Fowler, Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah. Robbie Davis Jr., Joe Hughes. And then after that, you're like, huh? I can't think of anything outside of that. Now, now, if you start... Fill some of that space. Yeah, if you start to go down that list and go, let's, let's take two lads from Rotunda... Two lads from Salisbury. Let's match them against some other lads from like Steel City, Phoenix, wherever. Let's match these guys up as AMs because these are hometown guys. People know who they are. 
So as a promoter, I'm like three years down the line, I've got a ready-made supply of people to jump in. Then you don't have that rebuilding thing that Adam Smith was talking about. And I think that's where we're at at the moment. We need to ask ourselves, what is it we want to pay money for? Okay, last question. If you had to look into your crystal ball, uh, if we agree that 2019 is a bit of a write-off for boxing, what, what uh, year in the next, say, three after 2019, I realise it's a bit of a stretch, is going to come anywhere close to 2017? 2021? No idea. Because everyone's got a real stupid question. Yeah. In 2021, I knew you'd hate that question, yeah. <laughs> but I knew he'd answer it. Yeah. 2021 <laughs> is when everyone's got to re-up. Everyone's got to <clears> renegotiate <throat> contracts and stuff. So 2021 is when you've got to show and prove. Uh, okay, any other business? Uh... Nah. Shouts out to let me see, see. Shouts out to Ellie Scottney, man. She got a silver out in Russia for the European under twenty twos at fifty seven kilos. Uh, first first ever major tournament for the young lady. She's only just turned twenty one. I'm really proud of her. Boxed an Italian lady, ex Olympian, you know. So she stepped up. Was just unlucky to lose. But another example of, you know, these are the names we want to see coming through in women's boxing. You know, these young ladies like Ellie Scottney and so forth. Um, ABA season started for all you guys that don't care about amateur boxing. So the ABA season started. Uh, some interesting fights. I know Big Steph. So anyone wants to know who Big Steph is? Whenever you see Lawrence, Steph is the big dark-skinned guy who's always next to, Ste uh, next to Lawrence. It's probably bigger than Lawrence. So he's boxing for Repton. It'll be good to see if he can get to the quarterfinals weekend, which is the weekend of the 12th to the 14th of April. So if you are up in Manchester, make sure you get down to that. Uh, trying to think anything else. Uh, no, no, we shouted out Reza. I enjoyed, I definitely enjoyed the, the Fight Hype stuff I consumed and thought that, actually thought the Hearn interview he did with Fight Hype was really interesting because it wasn't so much about boxing, but I think Reza asked him, Mate, if it's not the money that motivates you, what is it that motivates you? And Hearn started talking about interest. He goes, look, I, don't have, I haven't got long left in this sport, maybe three to five years, because at some point I've got to go back and be a dad, you know. But for the time that I'm here, you know, I want to keep making miracles happen. Now, I thought it was just a powerful statement by Hearn. It was, it was that rare moment where you see the human side to Eddie Hearn and, you know, fair play for being able to get that out. I don't believe it. I, do you know what? I, I don't believe it I, at all. I, I suspect do. he's locked into the zone probably for another 10. Ah, just don't, I, you know, imagine you can walk away at any time. No, I don't. Because. I don't at all. Because from what, from, from the details I was given, it's a, it's a, here's a fixed term agreement and there's an option to extend. I'd suspect when it ends will not necessarily be his choice. Well, if, if it happens within the next two years, but I'm, I'm I think I'm I'm now confident. Number one, the other promoters will conspire against him. He's got an enemy in his own camp, and he will get to the end of those two years and go. Do you know what? This American thing ain't for me. Because another thing he said in this interview was, maybe I've got to start toning down what I say to the American audience and about the Americans because they're not taking too well to it. They don't like the. The transparency or that I thought that was bullshit but what he was saying was I'm it's getting harder for me to make fights because people just don't want to deal with me it's not even about the fight anymore it's about we don't want to give Eddie Hearn the win so there were loads of interesting elements in there and I'm 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 glad 
we had that kind of interview because normally it's kind of the standard yeah what's happening with Wilder what's happening with Joshua and sometimes you just want look just have a different conversation with take a different angle yeah just have a different conversation with him let's see if we can get something else out because I said this to Porky Russ this morning no one's got the knockout blow for Eddie Hearn because if they had we'd have seen it by now so what are we all doing? We all sat there listening to interviews, hoping he, he stitches himself up. And I'm like, man, we've been doing that for three years now, at least. The guy's just living his life. So fair play to the guy. Like, you know, good luck to him, but just make the fucking Joshua fight happen, for God's sake. Or Joshua against anyone that we care about. Right, that is any other business finished. Yeah. That is the podcast finished. Are yeah. we happy? Andy, how long was this one? Uh, long two hours and 11 minutes that's alright yeah, we, we've, we've been more savage Martin is raring to go for another hour but Martin please I'm going to put a cork in it I'm going to stop you there I don't and... look at your face anymore <laughs> don't lie I've got a long weekend of it next week <laughs> yeah you just want to keep yourself flaccid that's why you don't want to look at me <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. We're not here next week. We're not back. We're not here next week because Martin and me will be doing our best to destroy ours and a load of other stags livers so we'll see you the week after next thank you very much roll bye bye